Abri sabri sabri swaram amen we are gathered here today to celebrate to venerate the action cinema masterpieces that are the John Wick franchise and with us today our special guest in our congregation our brother Christian Jonathan Merritt to walk us through this beautiful cavalcade of violence. So I say unto thee, do peace upon your brothers, but also carry a very big gun. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no notes. No notes. <laughs> No, nope. nope. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go right into the intro. Let's. Uh, let's. gentlemen welcome back to this week's action for everyone for this here march 26 2023 i am as always your host mike scott uh joined as always by vice victus vice how are you today oh my god i am so pumped up yet again for i'll, I'll just briefly say we have completed the circle the circle is complete we have the third wise man of action twitter with us today is gonna celebrate a big Momentous weekend, the big occasion in action cinema history. I can't wait. Oh my god, this is great. And Liam O'Donnell, Liam, how are you today? Should it should it be the action Twitter high table instead of uh, the three wise men? Uh, I'm oh, doing great. You had a point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm excited as well. I do have uh, again the 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 raspy voice from last week has now uh, found its way down into my lungs for some type of sweet bronchitis. So I'm going to be uh, working the mute button today. Uh, as I was laughing slash coughing at at uh, Vice's cold open. Yeah. Well, I hope you feel better, man. I know, I know it's I know it's tough out there. You know, illness is no joke, especially with the ancient men of our age. But you know, hope you feel better. <laughs> we look great. Though. You look great. I, went, I went to the doctor yesterday, and he said I'm fine and not to be a wimp. He didn't give me a Z pack. He said it's probably viral, so I'm all right. I'm okay. Does your mug say "Hug the Day"? It says uh, "Seize the Day," and it's it's a big uh, crack. 
okay okay from from the camera it looked like it said hug the day which is just not something that i would have ex ever expected you to be drinking tea out of but uh, no my, my son's obsessed with like kraken and sea creatures and stuff so i saw this and and we bought it yeah there you go all yeah. right and our guest this week to help go through uh, this John Wick action spectacular is, uh, you know him as John Rafilmatic. Christian, how are you today? Good, doing well. Very glad to be here on this very uh, business uh, occasion. <laughs> so just to let everybody know, we are going to go into full spoilers right from the get-go here. I think if you follow us at all, you can probably figure out whether or not we're going to recommend that you should go see this yeah. And the answer is a definitive yes, uh, even though, you know, we might not always we might not all see eye to eye on certain aspects of it. There's no question the movie needs to be seen. Uh, so there's no point in really talking about it without just diving right into spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet and you care about spoilers, hit stop. We'll still be here when you come back. Uh, we'll very likely even still be talking about the movie when you come back. So, uh, you know, uh, other than that, we'll go ahead and get right into it. We're going to kind of go in a little structure here where we're going to talk about some initial thoughts, some things we really liked about the movie, and then we'll go into maybe some things we didn't like about the movie. And then we'll kind of talk about the legacy of John Wick uh, as a series, as uh, a franchise, as the, you know, sort of the, the house that... Uh, or the 8711 is the house that John Wick built, uh, all of that sort of stuff. So we'll start off guest first. Christian, your first thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4. It was uh, spectacular. <laughs> I loved it right from that opening scene with the punch that took the whole theater. You knew you were in for something uh, special here. <laughs> and it was just a nonstop onslaught of uh, chaos. I loved it. <laughs> Vice, your initial thoughts. Yeah, this is, you know, I'm so glad to see the, the this is like the culmination of like uh, this kind of refreshed or revitalized effort, you might say, of bringing the highest possible technical level of action to the widest audience possible. Because, you know, more from the, well, I think, you know, like thinking back to the recent history, like 80s, 90s, you know, Lead Weapons and so forth, and uh, Stallone's over, Schwarzenegger. They had that uh, high level of action technicality to them, with, along with the star power, you know, the whole the whole gamut. And then I guess, you know, through the years, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe we might say action as a refinement became more of a niche thing than a mainstream thing a little bit, especially in the case of the uh, Marvel stuff. You know, and we, we've talked about that before. Marvel has, you know, questionable action bits, but, you know, for the most part, people don't really care too much. They were about to hear about the characters. You know, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, but more of these refined action has been more of a smaller sect. But now, you know, the, what John Wick does, has, what has done is um, brought back that sense of highest craft possible for action movies that everybody, that's accessible for everybody to see. Uh, even, even being R-rated, you know, it's, that's still, it, it's still for everyone. And I really appreciate it. And yeah, and, and John Wick 4 is the combination of that. It's kind of, you know, has like the best technicality of them all, the best set pieces. I'll, I'll, we'll get into this more. Um, that said, you know, I still have my issues with I have my hey, that's the next round. Keep it moving. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Mike said, go watch it. Watch watch it's good for you. Go watch that shit. Liam. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, we talk about my my thing on here about about script watching and 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 trying to director watch and and watch the other things about it. And I think that that's what 
for me, the series is, and this one, uh, why it's such a high point. It, you know, I went back and I, I watched the first one again. I didn't go through the whole series. But the first one is like, it's in a lived in environment. You know, it's like, it's a lot of regular locations. And what you're seeing in part four is like a guy who's got way more money, way more resources, but he's not um, like using it for set pieces that are, you know, I guess I'm trying to think of like where you go into Marvel or Fast and Furious, where the spectacle is so much computer driven. It's like, I'm going to build this fucking nightclub. And like, that's the type of shit that uh, just uh, obviously it, 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 you know, like makes my brain salivate. You know, I just can't resist it when I see that, like, oh my God, wait, this is not a, this is not a location. He built this whole fucking nightclub. Like this, this, this place doesn't exist. There's no, nothing with this perfect line of sight all around it. And, 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 and just by set piece to set piece, seeing that like, you know, and, and and actually digging into a lot of his interviews and stuff. I don't know. It just I, I came away just being like, this guy is the fucking one. Like this guy is Neo. Chad is Neo. Like this, this is like a culmination, like like Vice was saying, going back to Matrix, which arguably the you know, the best American martial arts movie ever made, but it's still a very international movie. And then this is kind of, you know the two principles uh two 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 big creative parts of that then years later you know creating this uh, you know more i'd say purely american franchise um that then actually lays claim to being like a great martial arts entity which i don't think like it when i remember in part 3 when i was like i don't know is there a better looking american martial arts film ever made like like can you can you name it off the top of your head and people would get like upset with me cuz for whatever reason they don't like 3 as much um but you know when you're now at part 4 it's like no there's not like you, you know matrix is a is a sci- i i put that in a little different box because of the sci-fi little genre semantics but like there's just no one so so for me uh, i know i'm babbling but it's like it's from from the directing stand of point of view and like what i would like am trying to learn and educate myself on and seeing how the decisions this guy makes and how he uses money to advance action and come up with different scenes it's it's uh, uh it's a masterpiece <laughs> so that, that that was what i took away from it and was on fucking cloud nine actually uh to build on your point i was uh thinking how for example recently you saw blade out of 47 ronin and how we see those DTV films all the time, and they try to have stylized uh, sets and everything. And then you see John Wick Four, and they just take that whole ethos and just pour it on hundred million dollars into it. And it's everything we love, but on a, just an insane craftsmanship. It, it was amazing to watch. <laughs> yeah, because when you go on these location scouts and stuff, you find places, and you're like, oh, I can, I can figure out an action scene around this. And that's like a lot of the first one, like, and that's why I think a lot of people love that feeling but i get why by the fourth he's like no 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 i need a i need a club with rain in it <laughs> uh so yeah um okay this is one of those movies so I, i'll just i'll just say my letterboxd review on this one uh which is 
Uh, I kind of already feel like this is a movie where me only giving it four stars is not going to be enough for some people. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so I've been actually dreading this episode because I think the movie's terrific. I think it's great. I, I can talk all day about all the good things in it. There are some things in it that really keep it from being, to use your word, Liam, a masterpiece for me. Um, but that's for the next section. Uh, the good, uh, from a technical standpoint, this is one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen. Uh, just, just from a, just from a pure director shot blocking production design, cinematography, this thing is just absolutely gorgeous. And I know everybody's going gaga over the colors because, you know, we will anytime a director uses color in movies nowadays. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't just look like, you know, vomit and dog shit smeared on a wall. Um, but also just just the actual uh, framing of everything in this is is stunning. I mean, this is. You know, there was an old YouTube uh, channel that uh, Tony Shu used to do called Every Frame a Painting. And I've mm -hmm. always loved that that saying, because this is a movie where literally every frame could could be a painting. Um, I thought that uh, for me being a, a diehard Donnie head, uh, I was I was I was in seventh heaven with Donnie's <laughs> role in this movie. This was this was such a I mean, to be honest with you, it almost feels a little more like Donnie's movie than it does Keanu's uh, in, in a certain. But Donnie is what I was not expecting was for Donnie to be so um, fun in this. You know, I, as much as I love Donnie, he is usually a kind of a preening stoic uh egomaniac in most of his movies and for him you know with all his fancy poses people want to know what i'm talking about like the pinnacle of that is dragon tiger gate where he's got a wig that makes it look like he's 20 and his hands <laughs> dancing as if separate from the rest of his body um i love that movie don't get me wrong but donnie was so effervescent and joyous in this movie uh with his demeanor his jokes uh everything about him in this movie just i had a giant smile on my face every time he showed up on screen um so for me yeah this is this is a great movie uh it just for me is not gonna be when we get to it it's not gonna be my favorite of the series i'll just get that out right now so that everybody can brace themselves and be prepared uh, for me to for me to say that so but uh, other than that yeah so let's kind of let's kind of break down some more good stuff let's uh let's start with let's just talk about what uh well uh, liam you know this is kind of your show uh what do you you're the one that came up with the structure what do you want to go in terms of good stuff to talk about no i i think that was a great you know opening round it was just like i was like let's let's just pass the ball around a little bit like you said donnie like when he first moved his hips did you just gasp <laughs> because because you're always uncertain like what's his style gonna be and he just as soon as he started swiveling the hips i was just like <gasps> and then when keanu tries to grab him and he fucking slams him down on the ground does that quick hip you know hip toss i was just like there's so many moments like that in the movie and Obviously, with with this podcast, um, you know, seeing people like Marco and Scott and, you know, get get hooked up and have all these big moments. It was just like just constantly laughing and clapping and, you know, with the strangers with me in the theater. Um, I, I snuck out, by the way, old man tip, pick up my kids <laughs> at school, three o'clock 
drop them off at home, get to the movie theater at 3.40 p.m. That's my new screening time. It's like I got <laughs> I, I got back home. I could still eat dinner with my kids. I was like, oh, this is it. This is it. I didn't. I wasn't sleepy at all. 5 p.m. at uh, man I wanted to go to bed, but I think that has more to do with the quality of the films. Um, but anyway, Christian, tell us tell us uh, about um, – I saw some of the things you were writing about with Donnie specifically and uh, some of the homages – to uh, some some classic martial arts films, could you could you tell our audience a little bit more about that? In fact, we could uh, bring that up about his uh, his pitch perfect uh, homage to Katoichi, uh, the black the famous Japanese blind swordsman character. Personally, one of my favorite characters of all time. So seeing uh, Yen perfectly embody that character from all the little traits, for example, Katoichi uh, had a thing for food. And one of the first things we see once the action starts is uh, Donnie in the corner bowing down before the before the fight. Like oh, that's totally something Santara uh, Katsu would have been doing in his movies. And uh, the, the the playfulness and the physicality, just, he captured it perfectly. You know, it was great seeing that. We've been so uh, we haven't had a Zatoichi movie in so long. So like I got my pipe dream here seeing Donnie Yen play him. I'm, and John Wick, it was so great. Yeah, and I guess uh, we'll kind of, I guess we'll go in and out here. Like this, one of the things I've enjoyed that um, there's so many um, throughout the series and this one in particular, there's so many both overt and kind of subtle callbacks to cinema of yore. You know, like even the, from the very beginning, the very very obvious um, callback to uh, Lawrence of Arabia is that that <laughs> were um, the, the the Bowery King, the great Lawrence Fishburne, you know, that blows the match out and then switches cuts to the. Uh, the, the the desert landscape, you know, very very much obviously a reference to Maria. But you know, like, like it's not it's in his hands. It feels um less. It's not hammy. It's rather like it's it's like he's venerating what came before him. That's what it feels like. Because you can you can see very clearly throughout Chasteleski's reverence for cinema as a whole. Uh, you know, even even from like from the I think in, well we'll get back again. We'll kind of jump it around here. Like in Jamaica Two, for example, one of the opening the opening scene in fact has like a little um projection of Buster Keaton. I think it is. On the on the building, and then you see him go do the actual. He is now the modern version of the uh, vehicle mayhem. So yeah, the, all the, all these little references are all are help. They they build the respect of what the movies uh, are are about, but also the, then they establish that and make it their own thing. It's just great. It's great stuff. I feel that match cut was the perfect way to prepare us that we're in for an epic. Yeah, like, yeah. tying the the errors of film together, of old Hollywood epics, and this is the modern version of that <laughs> yeah so great um, well, I, I was a little curious did they not get the guy from three to come back or was it just like a scheduling thing because it, it was that one kind of like the dialogue like as i replaced the actor before me like funny little like little like um the kind of thing that remind you that it's still it's still it's still a movie that's still like a fake fantasy but we can enjoy like you know uh like some parts for example were like you can see the stuntman waiting, like you know, like this little, little, you know, touches. Like it's not a mistake. It's just like a. This is these are this is movie man. This is part of the fun of it all. We're all or we're the all... or the club goers still fucking getting it down while <laughs> while there's there's just like brains exploding onto their fucking night, you know, dresses, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah. People always have that uh about the the subway scene and uh and two with the silencers, and this is that this is that on like eleven, yeah. 11. <laughs> 
Well, that that's the one thing that I did really like, uh, liked and disliked a little bit. But I'll talk about what. But the the artifice, the 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 like blatant artifice of the movie. This is not a movie in the real world. This is, and and the movie really it started really in three, I think, and it really steers into the that in this one. This is, and that's where I think that match cut um, is really well placed because it does. You know, I mean, we go from John training, rehabbing to a match cut to he's all of a sudden in Morocco. You know, part three, they spend like an hour of the movie with him trying to figure out how the fuck he's going to get into Morocco and get to the elder. We just jump cut right to it here. He's wearing a black suit in the middle of the desert. Right. <laughs> like like and and so these are not criticisms. This is the movie telling you right from the start. This is a fantasy. This is a, a, uh, a hallucination, a fever dream. This is, this is a movie. And mm -hmm. that's really, and it really does just embrace. This is a movie. You know, it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, there's a, an indie movie that not a lot of people have seen that came out about 10 years ago called Bunraku with Josh Hartnett, uh, and narrated by Mike Patton, Ron Perlman's in it. Um, that is all shot on a soundstage because the name comes. It's a traditional. Uh, I think it's a Japanese style of play, and and the the whole movie shot on sound stages. It's very artificial looking, and the movie steers into that. And this, in a lot of ways, reminded me of that. Even though it's obviously these amazing, immaculate locations, not sound stages, but nothing in the movie looks quite real. Uh, and I thought that was I thought that was really like just visually so interesting and so enjoyable to watch because we do go from the sort of gritty real world of the first one and each movie gets a little more and more detached from reality until this one we're, we're we're not in reality at all we're I mean they're waging fucking war at the Arc de Triomphe like we are not in <laughs> reality whatsoever but that's fine that 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 the movie earns that trip into fantasy land you're, you're literally going into chad's mind's eye like that's what it is it's like it's like this is what this is this is reality and this is what i want reality to be and i think that's the journey between you know the four and you mentioned uh mike the production design and and i do think that that of all the great things in these movies i, I think that is a lot of chad's uh special sauce and there's a viral clip going around him talking about you know, being on uh, Matrix Reloaded and, and just kind of coming in and watching the Wachowskis watching a fashion show. And he's like, what are you guys watching this fashion show for? And they were like, look at the way that the light moves on these, uh, you know, on the, the on their wardrobe. Look at the way it's hanging. And he just said it like blew up his brain to be like, oh, everything matters. I have to I have to care about the wardrobe. I have to care about the production. I have to care. And that and, and that and that was his big takeaway is like every shot, everything fucking matters. And and that and that's what you can feel in these movies, um, and and I and I and not to denigrate every other action filmmaker, but I do think that's really the big difference between him. It's that's like it's not just like doing that that kind of like YouTube demo thing. It's not. It's like it, it, every single scene and every single set piece has to be designed and and have this beautiful kind of hook to it. Um, and I did have it's funny because I got a text from a friend of the show, Joshua Cortez, being like. Oh, you know, the end battle at the at the at the church, like what 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 was that look like? And he was like, was that green screen? I was like, I, I couldn't tell either because it had I think there's there's like you're saying an unreal look to it. But then I saw location photos. I was like, no, they were there. 
Um, but maybe it was because of the time of day filming the scene mm-hmm. that they wanted to do sky replacements over uh, Keanu to put that sunrise feel for everything. So I think it, they might have been doing sky replacements to the locations. And then that kind of gives it this like otherworldly kind of like glow. Um, but I'd have to dig deeper into it. But I noticed that on a, on a few things as well. But I, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Because you then you see the behind the scenes and like they're on those steps, they're they're at, they're, they're at that church, they're at you know they're they're out there. So um, yeah, it's one of those movies that like please give me the I, I don't buy physical media, but I want all the fucking behind the scenes on this one. I, I need to see mm-hmm. everything. That kind of reminds me like the, you know the ongoing kind of really dumb debates about it or arguments about it on online like uh is CGI better than practical you know and like and then usually the the the, the answer quote was that it doesn't matter what it is how you use it and, and it, but but more specifically like whenever you can use cgi to augment reality that kind of makes it so much more um cohesive you know um you know and each each case is its own case like you know it's like star wars stuff the prequels like those ha- like even those have like a good mix of practical and CGI, but you don't really notice it but because people kind of complain about oh it's too much CGI, but no it's it's that's those are all part of it too and the same with this like you know, even even in uh Everything from the fights, like you know, when it when it first started, that was coming when the uh, CG blood splatter was kind of becoming a big thing. People were complaining about that, but even then, from that first movie, you know, it, they kind of did it well. They 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 understood how to how to make it look good, how to make it look you know mm-hmm. believable, or whatever. And then you know, as the series goes on, there's definitely like again, this is part of the unre- unreality of it all. John would get hit, hit by multiple cars and stuff. You know, <laughs> obviously not really him getting hit, but like you know, they able to mill these. Uh, effects to their the tactical things they have on hand, the tactile things they have on hand so well. And then here is kind of um they at the by the end of the part four they they've stretched that to its kind of breaking point. But to the for the effect of making that as as Mike said that that's surreality. It's like you're straining that that what your mind's eye can grasp visually and what's real, what's fake. And you're like, no, it's this part of the fantasy. It's as real as you want it to be or as fake as you want it to be. That's that's part of the fun of it all too. This is really well done. Yeah, I love that the first one he gets stabbed by Adrian Pilecki and it's a big deal that like he's going to die if he if he keeps fighting because he'll tear it open and bleed out. He goes to the doctor. It's this whole huge thing. And by this one, he's getting hit by multiple cars and falling down 120 stairs and uh, and, and all of this sort of stuff. But again, that's not a criticism. It, it's just a it, it is building to the, the, this movie you just can't look at this movie and go, oh, well, that couldn't happen in real life because nothing in this movie could happen in real life. Like, <laughs> this is a pure fantasy action movie. Okay. So here, one of the things I wanted to, um, we kind of touched on Donnie Yen and like, uh, I think one of my favorite things about the series as a whole and what culminates again here in four is that um, they've always had a great mix of using old guard, like high level prestige actors with like the new young bloods, the guys, you know, rising stars, like we mentioned in Egypt, Pit. It had Willem Dafoe and Adrian, Adrian Padalecki, you know, like, you know, Rising Star plus a venerated old man, old guard. And they did, they, they, they both worked in service stories so well, bringing the different energies to the movie. You know, like, and again, it kind of reflects the themes of the movie, the, the, the old, the clashing of the old guard here, so to speak. And yeah, but then now you, we have this stacked cast of legitimate legends, mm-hmm. you know, Donnie Yen, Hirik Sonata, you know, but all, and, you know, Keanu himself, of course. Uh, but also, you know, uh, the new guy, uh, Rina Sawayama, uh, Shamir Anderson. Oh my God, he damn steals the movie, like uh, as the tracker and and, and as Akira respectively. Uh, uh, the the uh, Osaka 
uh, pan donor uh, concierge uh, his daughter um they they bring their own like spark to the whole movie that keep that brings it alive like this this like it's great enough to see to get to, to get to see a duel between Hiroki and Donnie like that's, that's like that that right there is a god to like oh my god this is like this is a a love letter to action fans but then you see no but no we have more we have this still hot new blood coming out you know the future is in good hands you see Shmi and you, you see Arena like doing this sick shit you know like like her fight for example in in the in the, in the hotel I'm talking kind of you know, like uh she has her own style of fight like even more so than John Wick where the uh, jujitsu the uh like the spider style she's like slips through enemies because because she, she sees a slight comparison to them and she uses it so well and then you have Shamir like he's kind of going full like full like high slick tactical dude it's it's so fucking awesome like uh you know the big the showcase we'll go talk about later on the uh the that that abandoned hotel scene uh with the top down we'll get into that a little bit you know and he just pulls out you know and, but also just being a they all have presence they're all they, these are these are again these are we talked about before like uh, who are the next movie the next real movie stars these guys are like proved they're like they they are fighting for that title like they they are, they are not they did, they did not come to play they did not come for like a quick cameo or you know to um uh, to uh, show their presence or, or to uh, uh for exposure no they came to fucking work they came to, and they did it hard man it was it's so beautiful to see that you know uh, to have these high level guys along with these new guys and they're all performing at this top tier for this franchise it's, it's fucking amazing yeah I know we always I was gonna say you guys don't talk about directors hooking people up in this movie Chad didn't hook them up with the fight just dramatically as well everyone gets there dramatic performance moment as well and it was a great scene uh, Rena and uh, Samir getting those uh, like for example uh, Rena in the subway car with John you really feel that that uh, tension and uh, same thing with uh, Samir uh, having like a bit of a uh, Clint and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Jimbo having those two vibes his character of uh, being a playful uh... <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, these callbacks to the classic mm. uh, movies of yours, the samurai films, the action films, all that stuff. Yeah, and then oh, and by the way, of course, you know uh, our hometown heroes, the mighty Scott Atkins and, and the mighty Marcos Aurora. You know, between these uh classic legends and these new bloods, we have the current reigning mm. champions of action. You know, like working today, like just doing like this again. This, as you said, Christian, like. They're not just there for like the the fights. They're there for like the whole the whole package. They can act. They can they can pre- present. They can emote. You know, Marco can just Marco's glower. Like that's a fucking hench man right there. A you bond know? hench. Like, a bond henchman basically. Yeah, seriously. It's. You know, I mean, it's it's objectively the hottest Marco has ever looked in a movie, and it's just so funny that Chad watched Undisputed Three, and he was like, "I'm gonna make this guy look hot, and I'm gonna make this pretty boy look fucking disgusting." <laughs> So yeah, yeah, we got to talk about yeah, the great Scott Atkins doing as Killer, uh, you know, and with his uh, you know, it's been much talk about this the the, the fat suit going on, which is that as was very explicitly as Chad mentioned in other interviews, a direct homage to Samuel Hong and the great mm-hmm. Shao Long, uh, uh, Kill Zone, uh, you know, that that final boss fight and so forth. So you know, he has the matching suit, and again, you know, we we've always known that Scott has the has the chops. You know, you like he's he's had he's had various supporting roles and big Hollywood stuff too. You know, he was in. Wolverine, he's in uh, the one of the Bourne movies, you know. We always do he had it. Well, here he gets a fully, you know, so many, as he says, like seven pages of dialogue, like actually be a legit character, a main <clears> character <throat> in this, like the critical to this, the plot of this, of this uh, final chapter of, the, of, the, of his movie. And he just fucking delivers, man. He, like, he, again, like 
he makes he builds his character from the ground up just like how you know uh i reminded me you know very similar to um avengement you know like uh that was kind of scott playing out of uh, out of character a bit or out of his his safe area he's being this like like this feral man and again he's just he here same thing here he's a whole new there's a whole new side of him this kind of this devious like uh this this devious bastard <laughs> it's just so great but plus of course he can still fucking move he still has all his kicks and all uh, you know all, all of his power to him when he's fighting keanu and in the, in the rain oh my god whenever they fight in the rain oh my god like when um that fall i i you know because i saw people talking about oh there's a fall in this movie there's a fall in this movie and then i saw that that fall that you know probably vincent uh keanu's double did in that nightclub the kick from scott and i was like what the fuck like how did it how did a human being just do that and i thought that had to be the fall everyone was talking about and then it was like nope Nope, nope. There's yeah. there's a much bigger one later. And then there's the earlier one down the escalator in Osaka. That was a, a crazy fault. <laughs> so many faults in this movie. Yes. I mean, um, but so one thing I, I want, because everyone wants to hear uh, what what uh, Mike has to say about uh, Scott. Maybe this is on to our next category. I don't know. I'm nervous. But I just want to put my two cents in there that, uh, you know, I know the criticism of of fat suits. I've been critical of uh, of Colin Farrell and, and Penguin because I didn't really see the point. But I actually think of all of the the movies with with fat suit uses that this one actually has a dramatic point to it. In that, in in and I think Chad made eloquently kind of stated that he didn't want the audience to see uh, this character coming, and he kind of plays him as a coward. And he's like running away, and he's like, "Oh, you shot me in the ass!" And it, and it's kind of like, "Oh, this is this is the guy who's all you know, bark and no bite." And then you get close to him, it's like, "Nope." And and so for audiences that aren't familiar with Scott, it's just like, "What the fuck just happened?" It's a total fucking like rabbit out of your hat that suddenly you know this this sleazy uh, you know big guy is all of a sudden unleashing the the greatest kicks you've ever seen. So I, I at least I think that the, it, it's a it's a entirely kind of it, it, it makes sense into itself. And I think it's kind of just funny in joke between all of them that they were like, OK, we're going to take this pretty boy and we're going to make him the most disgusting character in the movie. Um, so anyway, Scott, uh, Mike, 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 what what are your thoughts? No, I loved him. Um, I, I, I remember people saying on Twitter, trying to say that he wasn't going to get hooked up in this movie because, and I was just like, I told everybody I said, and I didn't even have inside knowledge on this. I just knew how long he was filming. I said, it's going to be a featured, essentially a featured cameo, not a cameo, but like a featured guest spot. And that's exactly what it is, right? He's <clears throat> apparently Liam's given me his bronchitis. Um, you know, it's, it's technically he's only in one scene of the movie, or I should say like one section of the movie, but what a fucking section it is. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I I thought, you know, it was very clear to me that he was having fun, that he was tearing into mm -hmm. it. It's just like the Baba Yaga, you know, um, you want to kill him. You want to kill him. I want to kill him. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's having so much fun, but I love, and I loved, like you pointed out, Liam, when he's running away and he gets shot in the ass, the look on his face is just, there's, there's, to get into the fat suit thing, the characterization of Killa, in my opinion, is a character that only Scott Adkins could have played. 
to be honest with you. That, that that look on his face when he gets shot on the ass is such a quintessential perfect Scott look. Uh, and as far as the fat suit goes, I mean, unfortunately, Brendan Fraser just won a Best Actor for wearing a fat suit. So I think if we're if we're zeroing out John Wick, we should maybe settle down a little bit. But also, uh, the reality is, it's an homage to Sammo Hung. There's only ever been one Sammo Hung. I'm sure somebody out there is going to show me some YouTube star that that weighs 275 pounds and can move like Sammo Hung, but that person's not going to be playing Killa. They made a distinct decision here that what they needed was Scott's acting and Scott's martial arts skills more than they needed somebody that looked the part. And I think it works. Again, this being a heightened, not reality kind of movie, a movie that takes place in this weird reality, it, it works for me. I didn't find it. And and as a fat guy, I can tell you, I didn't find it offensive. And I have certainly, you know, if you go back and listen to my old podcast when Avengers Endgame came out, I had some real shit to say about Chris Hemsworth in that movie. So the fact, so this isn't one of those where I'm like, I'm okay with fat suits. I'm typically not. But here, I think there's a distinct, I think you nailed it, Liam. There's a distinct characterization as to why they did this. And on top of that, it's not ha ha funny. Let's look at the fat guy kind of thing. You know, he literally does kick john you know off a off a stairwell i like like he still moves like scott adkins so um i had i thought it was great it was to me he was one of the high points of the movie um and again him and donnie when they're sitting at the table kind of going back and forth a little bit too it's they're you know for me there was that vibe of oh yeah they've worked together you know there's there's an ease of comfort to them going back and forth um so yeah i thought I mean, they hooked Scott up. I mean, really the last year and a half of Scott's career from one shot to getting hooked up in section eight, to getting hooked up in day shift, to getting hooked up in this and accident man in there, like good goddamn, good goddamn year and a half for the man. Can't be happier for him. Like could not, uh, people, I had some people reach out and ask if I was going to do, try and do an episode with him. And the reality is if you've seen him, he's been on a massive press tour. Uh, so I'm going to reach out to him after that dies down a little bit, maybe see if he'll be interested in coming on and doing a little like debrief, a postmortem instead of like be full in, in production mode or publicity mode. Um, well, I, I kind of, to kind of, when you were saying earlier, Mike, you know, like uh, people, I, I'm not afraid to talk shit about John Wick, um, but we're not at that, that point. Yet, but what I, what, I, what I want to say is that um, every like every victory also feels to me like a kind of a double-edged sword in a way. Like everything that's great about it, I can also see like a there's where the issues come in. But you know, again, like overall, the, the fact that again, uh, maybe not so much a big swing, but uh, the fact that the, the commitment, the commitment to I'm going to do this, whatever everything test as he does, like. Yeah, like uh, we talked about the uh, references, like uh, there at the, uh, during the I guess the third act, I guess you say, of the uh, the the Triumph battle. Uh, the another big reference, but another overt reference uh, that they get to the, to the Warriors in seventy nine, classic Walter Hill movie about the gangs of New York and so forth. And they have the their French uh, DJ doing the whole like a uh, hey boppers that that whole like uh, again and, and again every every detail matter. Like this is like you see that it's yes yes it's in homage, but also like it's a very like that's the this is his own movie. This is his own fantasy. I can also hot by the way. I don't know who she is, but she's fucking amazing. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, it just goes that that whole sequence of 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 all the all all the uh, goons, all all the dogs of war coming after him to stop him from going to the to, to the final battle. Uh, just, yeah, it's like, and with all those things, 
I appreciate so much that they put that crap. Like he's like, okay, I'm 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 going all out here, so I'm gonna, you know, oh, I forget to mention, you know, the three-hour movie, whatever. Yeah, I went to the bathroom after the trailers. <laughs> I was like, all that shit. People was like, oh, you can you can you can suck it up. This is a three-hour movie. No, I'm not fucking old, man. This is this is three hours of my fucking time. Fuck out of here. But you know, like the fact that he's like, no, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take time out of this movie to make this sequence and put all these touches on it. This is great stuff here. But yeah, again, it's still it's a three-hour movie. But that, yeah, that's that's. Hey, it's, it's, it's the end game, as it were. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. So hey, what's what's our next? Uh, what's the next section here? So we we done. Before we move on, Christian, any any final good things you want to talk about? Anything else you want to sing the praises of? Uh, I'd uh, tie back into Scott. I like that. Uh, with his character, felt like uh, I mentioned before with Gerard was like a Bond henchman, and so did Scott Atkins. He felt like a more a more error, like something you would see more error Bond going up against. Yeah. He, he really, he really threw the scenery in the best possible way in that that moment, and it made the whole movie feel like a a Wiki and Bond movie. It was really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which we got to talk about the stairs. You know, like the the, the fucking <laughs> stairs at the end. It's like yeah, you, you've got Marco, and then you have Donnie coming in, and the two of them going up the stairs. It's like to go all the way up, and then have the this crazy fucking in camera fall all the way back down. Oh my god! Yeah. It's just something. <laughs> Uh, and I who was it Matt Singer wrote a great piece on it that uh, was going around yesterday. It's just something that like encapsulates the whole thing about these movies that like, yes, I, I understand the exhausting thing, but they're like they they're very aware of how exhausting they are and they have fun with that. Like th- that is actually part of the sauce. And so it, then to have, you know, Donnie come in and be like, fuck off. And we have this great fucking, you know, teaming up that you knew had to happen. You knew they had to eventually team up. Um Oh, that, that reminds saying. me. Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, because that also along with the um, the very obvious text of John Wick being so fucking tired of battling, like uh, all the um references to antiquity, to antiquity throughout the series also comes in here. Like the, there's lots of uh Dante references throughout the you know, and like it, as the series goes from the reality to the fantasy, this this is a very um subtextual. You know the. Uh, descent into hell descent into the other world uh, uh, afterlife slash other world and they make you know the references like there's references and um uh reflections of like persephone and greek mythology of course is very somewhat very obvious but even that you know, that this is like the literal uh sisyphean task you know that, that the sisyphus the guy has to uh push the boulder up the hill but he, but he can never do it you know like, like it's, it's, it's like it's a very overt this is fucking sisyphus with guns <laughs> he can't it, really is. <laughs> it really is it's beautiful yes i i'm Actually, I was thinking of that when John goes to meet Winston he, and he describes a high table as a hydra, which made me think of the 12 labors. Yeah. So I was trying to think back of throughout the series of what could tie into different labors. Like you have the Mimi line with the bullet, with the skin can't be harmed that could tie into the bulletproof armor. So I was trying to think of ways that could tie to that aspect. But yeah, I think this one really took the Greek mythology and the aspect to that, the next level. With, uh, for example, uh, the Marquis. People feeling like a, a Greek god and is in his Blade Runner inspired office with the, he just felt like a, an Olympian there. It, it was yeah. it was great. Yeah, yeah. You, you reminded me like a uh, in part three that when he's in the the, the horse stables. That's one of, that's one of the feats. That's one of the Hercules has yeah, to yeah. Uh, clear the stable. Yeah, it's like it's a like, holy it's, shit. Yeah, holy yeah, see, shit. Yeah. Everything matters, right? Right, Liam. Everything fucking matters. Oh, you know. Gotta go back. Go back and 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 do the do the big uh you know. Tweet thread for us, Christian. You, you know, lay it all down. The, the, all. 
But yeah, you did mention the Marquise. I did. I mean, Bill Skarsgård, uh, a delicious villain. Um, I mean, everybody is fucking good in this. Obviously, you got uh, Ian McShane's back. Uh, Clancy Brown. Are you kidding me? Like that was the other thing. It's like we got we got Highlander references into this fucking movie, uh, and then uh, you know uh, do have to mention obviously Lawrence Fishburne, but then you know the Lance Reddick. It's like the decision uh, obviously had nothing to do with what actually happened, but it ends up being uh, you know kind of a this fitting tribute to him midway through the movie. Uh, definitely made this uh, you know meta emotional. You know, in a way that you couldn't expect. Um, but you know, just glad that uh, that at least there's this, the, you know, these these kind of tributes to uh, to someone that that obviously meant so much to the series and so much to the audience. Yeah, yeah. I know they were, they, I know it was sadly his passing was so soon to the premiere. I know they mentioned you know they were trying to um, get you know tribute uh, plates or contribute uh, frames. Um, but I I, I just, I, just uh, so I happened to go to the. Um, Staten Island Animal Draft House uh, here in New York City. Um, they have so one of the newer ones. They have a whole really cool um, um, kung fu theme thing because it, Rizzo, you know, being Staten Island from the Wu Tang Clan, was one of the investors of it, one of the uh, heads of, of its establishment. So they have a really cool bar with the, called the Flying Guillotine, uh, reference of course to the great movie Flying Guillotine. So you know, and, and so they had like a kind of a John Wick costume party celebration for the movie at the opening. So I, I got out there all dressed up, and then it had a really, they had a really nice little touching, quick. Uh, like toast tribute to Lance Reddick there. We all had wore the uh, blue pins on our lapels in his honor. So yeah, yeah, just you know, it's fucking. I, I mentioned before, you know, I, when back when we saw Black Panther, um, earlier this year, you know, like you, you, just getting fucking choked, like just just to see fucking Chadwick, you know, like fuck, you know, this this this, this hurts, but like you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to see him again. Similar thing here, like you know, just I, I I hate that we're losing all these great great people, but I just you know again like. Uh, can you, you know you mentioned fully like you know this is like they're all professionals of the game that they, they they live and die for this stuff so this is you know i'm sure he would have been happy just like we all appreciate him more time just to see him just, just to see him doing this thing and these these crazy ass action movies you know, but but he did it with so much so much gravity to it he's kind of been more, even more so um with his passing so yeah so yeah you know just yeah a recipe and you know i'm 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 happy that you know we, we have this fitting send-off not just you know the character but also this this series you know he's because he again been an integral part of it from the very beginning you know he, it, it, it wouldn't be him with uh, movies without him without john with piano all of it he was saying he's he's a un, undeniable part of that stuff so it's just good to see him one more time really happy with that um <clears throat> one last action scene that we needed because we kind of talked about the stairs the stairs were amazing uh, but the other one that just had my jaw on the floor was the hotline Miami scene, um, where it goes full hotline Miami. And that was, that was absolutely unreal. I don't even know. I haven't really watched any behind the scenes stuff. Cause I didn't want to watch much of it before I saw the movie. I don't even know. I'm not even sure how they, they pulled that. I know Spielberg did something very similar in minority report where he built, they built like small sets that he could actually, they could pan the camera over, but I, I don't even know how they pulled that, that off. I mean, you're talking a, a predominantly one take over the head shot as he goes through this building. Um, I, I, it was, it's one of the most, to me, one of the most visually inventive action scenes I have ever seen in my life. Christian, what did you think of it? Actually, as someone who got into writing about indie games originally, it, it was so a great scene that influenced, uh, inspired that the scene with Hotline Miami. And it, 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 
they got the, the the music behind it. It really felt like seeing uh, the perfect hotline Miami adaptation you could ask for. But also, interestingly, I read an interview with Chad where he mentioned influence from another indie game called Hong Kong Massacre, where that game has very distinctive muzzle flashes. Uh, so you could keep track of your character. And I thought that was such an ingenious way with the Dragon Breath Saka and that we could keep track of John from above, you know, with so many guys. And we could always see where he was in that scene because he had, he had those, the, the fiery glass. We always knew where he was. It was great use of geography and uh, distinctive uh, way of uh, tracking his movement. Well, and another and, another homage, right? Because Keanu yeah. using a Dragon's Breath shotgun again. <laughs> where have we seen that before? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And that that was uh, from what I saw shot with the drone. So it, it is it, it wasn't a crane. Everyone kept calling it a crane shot, and they're like, no, 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 that that was a drone. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look more into it, but it looked like they just built that set, and then they just flew a drone over it. One thing about that, I do want to give a shout out to uh, otherwise man uh, Alex uh, head exposure one perfect headshot because he actually um, um, reminded us. Uh, he posted a clip a few years ago. There's a movie, a Japanese film called Door in 1988, where he's like, oh, wait, I've actually seen this elsewhere, but prior to the game. And then in this clip that he shares, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a horror thriller slasher kind of movie. But there's a shot where there is, you see the, uh, the killer chasing woman. And it's done very much in a similar scene from above. I, and I presume, like, you know, being of the time had to be a crane in this case. But yeah, you see her being chased through this apartment, this kind of labyrinthian, bigger than a normal apartment could possibly be. And you see, you see, you're getting chased uh, by this knife building maniac. And again, I, I, I can only imagine. I'm sure that you know, having the library of knowledge that Chad and, and the crew have, they probably also, no doubt, have referenced this as well. But yeah, just, again, this, this is that. The, this is that perfect example, like the melding of modern, new stuff with older, um, classic references to, are, are, are both well known and also more obscure stuff. You know, like this. Because you know, I mean, to, again, with like with the Atkins kill a Samuel thing. Most of us know know SPL, but maybe maybe the greater audience might not have. So that might be a, a more of a hidden Easter egg for for them compared to us. But yeah, a similar thing here. Like you know, this this is still uh, this nothing nothing is new, but everything is always you know it's always something fresh. And this this is a perfect example of that you know that mix of the older that obscure movie, but then also the more well known video game reference stuff. You know, it's again this is what Chad does so well, combining the new and old like that, and in, in all ways, it's really, really impressive. And just to say, Liam, I, I think most people know it's not a crane. I think most people know it's a drone, but most people just when they see an overhead shot, they just call it a crane. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I didn't even like my brain stopped trying to figure it out. I was just like, uh, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, so drone. The, the, the camera movement was just it, it moved in a way I, I can tell it was a drone shot, but I just overhead shot, crane shot. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, that scene kicked ass. Um but uh, oh, you get you, you gotta mention the tracker with his backpack bulletproof vest that he had some great moments in that sequence too. It, it, it was such, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. He was like speaking of, like again, the old, like we, again, other things we talk about ongoing in our conversations on acting for everyone, the video game language being incorporated to cinema, like the dragons, but you know that's a most the wider audience knows that shotgun type from Call of Duty, the Black Ops. Mm-hmm. That's where it got got famous, you know. But and, and it, 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 just as just as I would say, uh, Nolan directly cribs off of War, War, Call of Duty in Tenet and stuff like that. You know, it's like this is very much a live language from real like you know masters of cinema. But it's not it's not a joke. It's not it's not a it's not a gimmick. It's it's like 
they they've learned what makes those things resonate and then apply them to cinema so yeah like that like that, that this is not it's not i would i think people this is not a criticism i have but i think people have you know john wick is very video gamey again like another like uh people mentioned um streets of rage or all these uh classic side-scrolling beat-em-ups that's very much again the feeling of john wick at this point you know he's he's mowing through all these goons as they wait <laughs> as they wait to get beat up you know but that, that's part of the fun of like it's again translating that that visceral part that video mm-hmm. games have into a cinematic format that you know it's, it's not you know it, it's here to stay it's not going anywhere this is the generation that we come up with video games which we have with classic cinema you know so yeah to have a reference to lawrence of arabia and Call of Duty in the same fucking movie, like that's fucking. This is the mad genius of Stahusky, you know. It's like the way he's doing this shit right now. I mean, and and I just would say like the video game aspect of of the bulletproof suits taken to their logical, <laughs> you know, end game in this one, where you can just pull up a little bit of fabric and bullets are pinging off of it. I I love it though. It's like because otherwise, you know, you're you're just gonna get bogged down, and it, and it the fact that the bullets are pinging off is kind of again telling you this is a movie this is yeah. this is its own reality and it's not it's not like the first one where he takes the two shots to the chest from Bernhardt and he's like down <laughs> and like ah <laughs> you know and and he's wearing a flak jacket it's like no uh you know anytime someone tries to get the drop on him he can just pull up a, a little bit of, and it's like ding 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 uh, I love it yeah well, and I love to, again, there is a lot of nice little humorous touches. I wouldn't necessarily call the movie funny, but there's a lot of nice little humorous touches, like at the very end, right before the duel, when he takes his jacket off and you can hear, yeah, all the bullets <laughs> falling out of his jacket as, as mm-hmm. he takes his jacket off. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's this one, I think more than any of the others in the series really steers into that video game setup, right? You got mini, you got full like full blown mini boss battles and and level ups and all of that sort of stuff before you get to the final boss. Um, but again, it's that it's like you said, Vice, it, I agree with you because I said the same thing about when we did our one shot review, right? It's the language. The way to adapt video games to movies isn't to adapt video games to movies. It's to take the language of video games and use that in a different type of movie. And I think this does it does it incredibly well uh, because everything builds no matter, you know, the whole movie is just building and building and building the same way a, a basic video game would. And you've almost even got like the whole opening with the elder is almost like your tutorial level. Right. You can even see it like you're, you know, you're playing John as he's riding a horse. and You get in the thing that says, like, press these guys and stuff like that. Like, it's it's basically your tutorial. And then it just kind of builds and builds as it goes on. Uh, and I think it works perfectly uh, for this type of movie. All right. Well, let's uh, let's kind of talk about if if we have I'm assuming Liam's not going to have anything to say for the next little bit, because we're going to talk about some things that we don't. Well, why don't I start? Because I think I, I like the movie the most. And uh, and so um, I'll, I'll get some of my little gripes out. But um, I, I think the movie uh, overcomes this. But I could I couldn't help but be a little disappointed that Donnie was playing blind again after Rogue One. I think it's I, I, I like this movie better than Rogue One. And I think the performance more than makes up for it. But I guess from a decision standpoint, I was a little disappointed that he didn't get to just be hot Donnie because I was kind of <laughs> hoping for hot Donnie because, uh, and I guess uh, Xander Cage is still the only one to give us hot Donnie in a, in a mainstream movie. But <laughs> this is a little bit of my gripes of like, you know, uh, again, uh, everyone comes to this show for the, uh, the the white straight guys discourse on race. 
But it's always my gripes of like Asian guys, like especially Asian movie stars, like aren't really like allowed to be sexy. And if you even look at Donnie's career and how he crossed over, it's like once he started playing it, man, which is like a monk and it's pretty sexless role. Boom. He becomes a lot more popular over here. You know, those movies start to cross over the less kind of like fuckboy he was where like if you go back to the old days he's like he's in a tank top with like the vice the bicep veins just bulging and he's like like mike said he preens a little bit but like you know like he the guy's one of the hottest humans ever like he, he of course he, he knows it so i was a little bit like uh when it when he first came in you know he he's he looks like a slob and and he's and then uh, it was like the reveal that he was blind i was like oh i would so that was a that was a download. And then, of course, once you kind of um, one, well, one, once they cleaned him up and then you see him in action and the way he's using his cane to, uh, you know, like feel his environment and the way that he sells uh, that physical performance then goes for me being like, 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 oh, I wasn't really on board with that to then being like, oh, does this guy deserve like the best supporting, uh, you know, Oscar for best supporting actor? Because I mean, the doorbell sequence alone was like, okay, I, I'm wrong. You know, I'm wrong. But you know, that, that was like, that was one moment in it that I was like, oh, you know, like, like, you know, why can't Donnie just be hot? But you know, it, I think it gave him, you know, his strengths as a physical performer, you know, that, that he, he thinks so much about his environment and his surroundings. And once I started seeing him move, and literally fucking slam Keanu into the ground. I was like, you know, okay, I'm on, I'm over. But that was that was one moment of mine. Um, and I d- I don't really have much else. <laughs> Christian, any negatives for you? So the one big gripe I had, I felt, was uh, the way they connected the Berlin Secrets to the movie. With all of a sudden, uh, he, what's your name? Uh, I mean, I have the character's name here. Uh, oh, Natala, uh, the tennis character. When all of a sudden, John is uh, getting revenge for her father, and uh, he's looking for uh, Uncle uh, Pietro. I don't think he even mentioned them before in the movie or previous movies. All of a sudden, he's a do- doing his other side quest with characters he's never met of, never met or heard of. I felt that was a kind of a really clunky way to give Scott Atkins in the movie but once that started I'm like, okay this is amazing I, I can forgive that kind of uh funky exhibition to get in there but yeah I, I, it was uh that was like my one major gripe with the movie the the, the script aspect that part vice yeah. so like i mentioned like everything about these movies are kind of a double-edged sword but when it's from great also it can be a detriment in other ways um, one of the big things we mentioned the 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 exhaustion factor. Like you know, it, it's we it's very clear. It makes sense that John Wick is tired of his battle and, and it goes through. But um, you know, it's I, I mentioned before uh, on Twitter like uh, when I was when I first years ago when I was talking about the, the raid, you know, the great the Timo's masterpiece. One of no, sorry, uh, the uh, when the the raid, the first movie. Um, yeah, you know, Gareth. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, Gareth. Um, the the final battle. Uh, Mad Dog and 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 the brothers is like a it's like two guys slapping each other in a room for five minutes, you know. And like this is my friend, my friend said. And I was like at first I was like, eh, fuck you, but I was like, no, he's kind of right. It's like there's a certain when you try to portray exhaustion and when it's exhausting for the audience, that's that can be the point. But it's still like you know, well, how do you? Is there a way to like surmount that? 
and for the most part, most of the movies that do that try that, they do it. Like in the Raid Two, for example, they they push it to the limit. Um, but here, like a John Wick series does things so well, and then they kind of keep doing them. Uh, the very what made John Wick famous his mix the gunjutsu, the mix of gunfighting and jujitsu, jujitsu, well Brazilian and and classical. The way he takes down people or closes them to gunfight, takes them down with the throw or, or or lock, and then headshots them. That sequence is brilliant. But then, just kind of by the nature of the movies, he gets to do them over and over again. And and so and this has been you know, a long criticism by many people. So, you know, it kind of some people will say it gets very same after a while. And you know, and I think Chad definitely grasped that. And so that's why each movie ups the ante. There's so many like the more diverse set pieces because they they clearly understand that. You can only do that so many times. So they have, you know, like the the, mo- the, mo- the motorcycle fight, the swords. They have, you know, this, this dragon uh, top down scene, uh, the, the the dog battle with Halle Berry in Part Three. Great, uh, one of my favorites actually. That that battle. Um, in addition to all other characters and their move sets, but I think yeah, it's the pro- for the movie being so long and being so exhausting. I still well, I don't want to say oh they, they could have cut out half an hour. That's that's dumb. But like <laughs> it, it's like. It works best, I think, for me in pacing when it goes from set piece to set piece with these small moments of interspersed his actual gun to combat. But then, like, uh, here example, the problem is that with me is uh, the Osaka fight, where he's fighting all the uh, armored goons in in the uh, in the in the. Oh, uh, oh my god! Yeah, gym, you know, like, <laughs> and it, it goes on forever. And again, I get it. This is that's the point. Jamie has to battle a whole army. Of course, it will take a fuck, little fucking time. Of course, it'll be exhausting. But like, along. As we mentioned before, this is still a fantasy. You don't have to see each sausage getting made. Mm-hmm. You don't have to see each gunshot getting hit. Because we, we, we already had this three fucking movies, you know? We, can, we we get his prowess. Now, again, like I just said, they grasp this, so they try to add stuff to it. They, they, the nunchucks, great fucking, mm-hmm. great fucking addition. He had him bludgeoning all the dudes with nunchucks. Cause, and again, and then I'll give you some more part of the meta of um, if everyone has bulletproof armor, how do you how do you make it more exciting? Um, yeah, so like they, they tried, you could definitely see them trying, but then, yeah, I don't know, for me, like a, that, it kind of reaches a ceiling where you, okay, I've got the point of this mm-hmm. clash. Let's go to the next sequence wow. of clash or like, sequence. Mm-hmm. So I think that it kind of, by trying to be so high on a technical level, all the films and this one in particular, it ends up kind of weighing itself down by being, showing this flashiness. And again, this is, this is, it's difficult to say this because, like, you know, well, that's what we're here for. We're here to see Keanu do, you know, Keanu has a real fucking belt in jiu-jitsu. Like, he, he went through the actual piece to learn this shit. So I want to, we want to see him do it. But again, it's, it's, it's just, it's the taxing, it's the, it means so taxing, I think, which is down, despite the fact that nobody else is doing this shit, you know? Um, that's one of the things. And then, just, uh, and then there's that. And then, well, I think that covers the, the broad spectrum of it all. But then just the, another part of that is the, uh, the, as we mentioned before, the Kevlar suits, the uh, the bulletproof armor that was introduced in part two, the, the meta of this universe is that everyone of a higher level has can needs more than just guns to get taken down. I think that also is the double big double sword for this series, and that um after a moment, after a certain point, when everyone is bulletproof, then kind of what's the point of guns anymore? You know, and again, they they try to rectify this. They, it's the in part three in particular, the sword fight with the shinobi here, and then, of course we have the great Caesar uh, and, and uh, Yayan coming in. As you know, they don't have any armor, they're just a fucking dudes and knives, they'll fuck you up, you know. Like, that was a great kind of twist or, or 
but then them to that okay everybody has everybody has armor so now what well now we got to like now it's down to skill that was a great moment of like trying to rectify that the the obstacle they put them the box they put themselves into so yeah just uh all, all this as i was saying kind of emphasize that this exhaustion this taxing this this laboriousness of the films they're very much part of the thematic point but even knowing that still i think that I guess there's no other way to do it uh, theoretically, um, but you still have to just you, you have to suffer through that along too. And I guess that's that's the bargain you of the bargain of watching the other films. It's like you're here for the for the long haul along with John too. So like that's just something you have to, you have to eat that. So you know, I, and I, and I, so for me, I I get wary of it, and I, I know other other people who have criticized this do too. But you know, I also understand like this, this is what we're here. This is what the fans are here for. So that is what it is. So that, that's my overall kind of issue with Dominic's series and this for particular, like the kind of overall taxing nature of it all. Liam, I saw you chuckle a little bit there. Do you do you want have anything you want to say about that? Uh yeah, because I never I never confront Vice much on this show, but I do want to say I I just think it's like complaining about going to a fucking a Michelin star restaurant and being like the tasting menu is too long, the food's <laughs> too good, I'm too full. It's like that's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. It's a fucking Michelin star restaurant. This is about enjoying the best of things in life. It's like it's not about doing a tight hundred minute, <clears throat> you know action movie like they started it's like extravagance enjoy the extravagance luxuriate in the extravagance go take a pee come you, back people you, will still be fighting have you never heard the phrase too much of a good thing yeah <laughs> not in this case not in this case it's it it's it, yes guess what i've done those fucking tasting menus and you're gorged afterwards and you're full and you don't want to do it for a, a long period of time but it's like i mean look we all like a good quickie uh, you know, on a, on a uh, random night in the week, but sometimes you got to draw the blinds, chop some lines, and fuck all night long. And that's what John Wick Four is, baby. Chad's got the dick game. This is big dick energy. Stop complaining about too much runtime and too much fighting. Throw that hog out. Lay some pipe down. That's John Wick Four. You know, what? I'm going to use your metaphor here because that's kind of how it came from the the big menu. But you. I just, oh, but I just had my um, birthday dinner with my wife. Happy birthday, wife! Of uh, you know, we celebrated forty birthday. She's twenty. She's great. Went to the French restaurant. Got the scallops, twenty eight dollars, like fucking dimes. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I paying for? Like, it was great, but I was like, this is all I'm, this is all I'm getting. And then also, you know, like when we talk about, you know, this is the the luxury. You know, we're coming to the the grand bathhouse to get to get the works. Wink, wink. But it's like, okay, this is where I'm getting spicy now. I think that. For all the mayhem in the book series, after a certain point, again, with the whole armor shit, it gets kind of chased. Like, we've seen on screen John Wick kill literally hundreds of people. Mur like, murder them. Brutally. But after a while, I don't feel it no more. Like, not because of the blood or whatever, but like, you know, like, hose in, arm lock, headshot, hose in, arm headshot, nunchuck, yeah, uh, sword, right, but they like, it feels too clean. This is like, this is the, and again, this is part of the point. This is the highest possible technical level of action movies so far. So like there has to be this certain sharpness to it. But like, and this is where, the, I, this is why I had team on my head. This is why, this is, this is why John Wick 4 or any of them aren't on the same level or step of something like 
that comes for us. Mm. I, 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 I disagree with this stuff. It's like it's, like, it's it's apples and oranges. You can't, I mean, look, if you came out of Bad Boys 2, I want you to go back and think about 12-year-old Vice and go in and like interview teenage Vice and after Bad Boys 2. Would you have come out and been like, man, that was too long and like complain? Or would you just be like, man, that was fucking awesome? Yep. Like, no. isn't that what we're supposed to be not, doing? Not too long because then- no. he's an adult. Like, like, like <laughs> you look at movies like you are 16 years old. Like, I, 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 no, I do. I generally think you guys, it's like, I, I just feel like whenever there's a genuine masterpiece, we have fucking notes. But if it's like fucking plain, Everyone's like, oh my god, plane. Plane's a five-star, three-star movie. Like, <laughs> fuck this shit. It's like I like RRR and fucking John Wick 4. Everyone's got like a fucking their little laundry list of notes. It's like, do you, is, is this action for everyone? Or is it just like, you know, action ingrates? You guys are ingrates. <laughs> this man's doing, he's doing what, what we've always wanted to do. He's doing what this it, the entire ethos of this show is writ large on the big screen, and it's making a shit ton of money. So why are we complaining about the runtime? Mm-hmm. Because it's fucking packing asses into theaters and it's bringing action back to everyone. So that's my defense. Well, I, I don't want to have on the runtime. What, what I'm saying is like that visceral quality of what. Well, like, well, I guess we'll, we'll lead to this to our discussion of the whole series as a whole. Because, you know, again, I was watching the first one again after the fact. And that shit is fucking nasty. It's dirty. It's like, this is this is a movie about professional killers. They're assassins. And this shit is dirty work. And you feel that in the first movie. And a lot more in the second. And more in the second as well. But then, as we were saying, as it goes into the fantasy, it's like, you you have to kind of, I guess, a trade-off, I guess you could say, between here's the nasty, down, dirty, nine to five, you know, fucking dogs. But now we're like in this Greek mythology of our hero battling against the gods. And that's that's the trade-off you have, to, you have to make. You know, it's like you have to kind of forego that greediness to have this epic. So it's like again, like like you said, like that's what we're here for. So it's like okay, but it's like the, and, and as we'll, we'll get into it, that's why I think part two kind of does a mix of those two worlds the best. But again, mm-hmm. like so in four, I'm like okay, I know where I am at now. I just uh, I wish that those even with it's, these are still kills at the end of the day. It's, this is not um, this is not like a uh, fighting ghost. It's like there's still still dudes with guns trying to murder somebody, and it just feels like that less and less. It's, it's really more like showcase rather than mur- murder fest. Even despite the fact that again we're seeing hundreds of dudes get murdered on the fucking street, <laughs> this feels less so with with each with each bullet with each karate chop or whatever. It feels less so. so that's kind of you know it gets part part exhaustion of it all. That's just where it is, you know. Like, uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right about the chase thing, and I think that's why it's more commercially successful. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, if like, like that's why I'm like, yes, Night Come for Us is a is a five star classic. I just am saying apples and oranges because there's there's never a world where you slowly cutting someone's face open and like <laughs> you you're like sitting there with the camera on it and dealing with the consequences of that. That it's going to open to seventy five million at the box office. So it's like, yes, they're like the chase thing is is part of it. Like it 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 in in the bigger that they're go going with the more money that they're making, the less you know, uh, like like you're saying, like kind of realistic it can be. And so, but but I guess is that the push to towards spectacle and and unreality. 
there's so many decisions that could be made on that that would just be John Wick kind of in a CG car, like floating through the air and doing mm. stuff, dumb shit like that. And they don't do that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. still like, it's still a bunch of stuntmen getting yeah. the shit kicked out of them <laughs> in various locations. And it's not just sort of like, you know, John Wick's got a jet pack in this one, you know, like that. <laughs> so that that's where I'm like, hold on. Let's just like, let's just like, like not lose sight of the forest from the trees. Like they're still, they're using all this money in exactly the right way. And it's not yeah. fucking, it's not fucking John Wick in space, you know? So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a lockdown, right? John Wick's face. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, 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 I'd make that movie today. I'm just saying, but like, you know, like they don't do that. So, yeah. But so, I, I mean, as you say, you know, actually, playing one. So, like, I want to. We've got a guest, and we have not heard from him. Oh. <laughs> it's because you guys have been whipping it out. So, your thoughts on this discussion? Uh, in terms of night stuff like night controversy versus John, uh, John Wick, I was thinking of. How you go back to Hong Kong action, you have something like Ringo Land, full contact versus uh, Wu's uh, hard boiled. You have the, the grime exploitation side of her bloodshed versus Wu's elegant, balletic side. And I think that basically what that, what that comes down to with uh, Vice wanting the, the splatter visceral side of like Night Contrast versus uh, John Wicks being or more elegant and, and, uh, and clean. It's, it, Two sides of the same coin, and that's a really shiny, sleek coin either way. <laughs> that that coin is still worth like millions, yeah. No matter what, that's still getting your money worth either way. You're right. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, so let's uh, move on because I'm not going to talk about anything that I didn't like about the movie. Uh, Liam, you <laughs> script watcher, and we can move on. <laughs> Like, you know, it's okay for people to criticize shit, right? You understand. I just want this show to be the banner and I don't want it to be, I don't want us to get like stuck in the, in the, in the, in the mud of not appreciating the finer things in life. I want us to be, you know, like it, we're, we're gentlemen of, of, uh, of wealth and taste. We started this as a DTV show. We shouldn't even be talking about John Wayne. Well, uh, this is the king of this is the, the emeritus. He's got a fucking robe on to celebrate DTV graduating to global domination. Like, this is what I'm talking about. This is our fucking uh, like this is DTV just fucking punch the world in yes. the face. John Wick does not need you to defend it. It can take a little bit of criticism. Look, 8711 is like literally three miles from my house. I will I will go and I'll meet you out front and I'll kill everyone defending Let's it. Do it yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring. I'll bring a, a second. I'll bring a, 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 a Aaron <laughs> Marcus to be, to be my my second to fight for me. <laughs> he ain't gonna fight for you. He wants a job at eight seven eleven. He'll kill your ass. All right. Um, well, let's start winding down a little bit. So uh, let's talk about the legacy here. Um, because I think uh, I think that th there is a discussion to be had on this. Uh, so, Liam, why don't you start us off? Oh, I'm exhausted. Uh, Mike, I want to hear more about you from you, because I feel like, uh, you know, Vice and I talked and then we just heard Christian. What, let's hear you. What's your what's your legacy talk? You're going to. Yeah, you're going to you're going to cut me off. So I'm not having this. No, I, I'm going to mute. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think. John Wick has a legacy that 10 years ago when it started, I wouldn't have thought that it had. 
Um, and I'm not sure that the legacy that it's going to have is the legacy that I would have wanted it to have. Um, I miss the simple elegance of the first one. Um, every kill that John makes in the first one, every fight scene that he has, has impact. It has emotion. It hurts uh, when you watch it. By the time we're in this one, I don't, this is what Vice was trying to get at. I don't care about faceless goons. And what I'm worried about for its legacy is that people are going to take away that what we need in our action movies is hundreds of faceless goons, not Keanu and Donnie Yen fighting in a high level, exciting, excellent martial arts fight, right? Because that's the stuff that works in this. That Arc de Triomphe scene in the fourth one, I'm going to be honest, bored me. I was bored during that entire Arc de Triomphe fight because he's just shooting faceless goons and then we get 10 seconds of Marco and then he's shooting faceless goons flashback to him fighting Bernhardt in the club in the first one or him fighting common in the second one. I mean, to me, there's nothing as impactful in this as common saying you work in John and John going, yeah, afraid. So, I mean that, that line just, and, and they stretch it out. They let it linger. They let it sit for a minute. So much of this is we got to get from faceless skin to faceless skin. That's my concern. Now, if the legacy of this is we have figured out Chad has cracked the code on how to bring Mark Dacascos and and Yayan and Donnie Yen and Hiroyuki Sonata and, and even fucking Ruby Rose and all these people bringing them in and giving them highlight action scenes and giving them what they do best. If that's the legacy, then we are in good fucking hands and action for the next 10 years is going to be unreal. I just hope that people who aren't 8711 don't take the wrong lessons from this series. All right. that I think that's all fair. And I think the um, the funniest legacy of the last 10 years of these movies has really just been other actors thinking they're Keanu. And, uh, <laughs> and that, like that's the funniest part. I, I, and I even would be like, there was a thing where like... Um, Paul Pierce during his retirement was kind of trying to like do a Kobe thing. And he was trying to like go around and like get gifts from everybody and have people care. And I remember Draymond made fun of him uh, for Draymond Green from the Warriors. And he was like, you ain't Kobe. We don't love you like that. And it was like a little bit like Ava when I was like, I, hey, I like you, Jessica Chastain, but I don't love you like that. Like, I don't have a, I don't have a 30 year relationship with you. You haven't you haven't made point break like you haven't made fucking the Matrix. I'm not like you speed. I don't have some fucking like attachment that all of a sudden I need to see you do a, a, a John Wick. And so I think so much of the first movie and people have obviously talked about this ad nauseum, but like God, was in a weird place, you know, like he he hadn't had a hit in a while. And it and it, it was like he's doing movies like Knock Knock and shit like that. Like it was just it, it, he 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 hadn't had this return. And to, so and, and everyone's also talked about how that almost went DTV, right? Like it was it's a smaller movie. To then launch this, and and now it's like kind of his definitive. Uh, I think really it is his definitive franchise because it's it, it is all about Keanu, and it rests on his shoulders and on his persona and on his gravitas. So it's like that. That's been the funniest thing of the past ten years is other actors. <laughs> it was a little bit like the Liam Neeson thing, but like you know the Taken's a little bit more achievable. And I was like, oh, I could do my Taken. It's like, oh, Taken's achievable. But like, no, 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 no. You have to fucking, we have to have a relationship with you. And I think 
Charlie's Theron's like actually maybe one of the closest that worked because we do love Charlie's. And it's like it, it, the, uh, the the actor of a John Wick type movie coming in and, and having this past history. And so much of the first movie is like, there's an entire history here that you're coming into. Everyone knows this guy. It goes back 30 years. It has to have, we have to have a relationship with the lead of that movie for yeah, that to work. The entire inciting incident, right? The idea is you killed Keanu Reeves' dog. Like it's, <laughs> you, killed, you didn't kill Adrian Brody's dog or Sean Penn's dog or whoever. <laughs> Killed Keanu Reeves' dog. How the f- how dare you, sir? How dare you? And, and, and so I'm with you. I agree with you. This this series does not work without Keanu. I mean, there's there's no because because of all that external stuff, all uh, our our built up shared love of him that that you know people forget during his downtimes, but then every time he has a hit, people are like, oh right, I love Keanu, right? You know, so that that's the thing is it. It, it does rely on our love of him as much as it relies on everything else. And you to speak to the, um, the, the not copycats, well, them too, but um, when it has been successful, they've also kind of remembered to start from the ground up in certain ways. Uh, one example you mentioned it, Antonio Maderas, when he did a, a acts of vengeance and security, you know, he was, mm-hmm. he's kind of, well, he kind of went the more like a, a host route after his, Big Hollywood stardom, you know, with all, all the Pedro Almodovar movies. Um, but you know, he 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 was for a brief moment an action guy, but not you no. Know, but then he became more of a you know, I'm a serious dramatic, dramatic, dramatic dramatist. But then because acts of edges, like you know, kind of again from the ground up, a DTV movie, and he's doing a hard action, like mostly on screen by himself. And it's like, and though that that didn't make the same hit as like the first John Wick, it was like no, like if you want to do this kind of shit. One, like you said, you gotta have to have that history with us. We have history with Antonio. And two, you gotta like, you gotta almost like you gotta um, uh, uh, pay your dues again, almost in a weird way. Like Keanu had to like Keanu had to like pay his dues almost over again. Like he had to like fully commit, learn to get the get the belt, get the gun training. You see him in the gun range all that. He had to like start from the ground up all over again and earn that. And the guys like and uh, you know Charlie's kind of similar way to like mention um, doing that. And even uh, fucking uh, Saul and Bob Odenkirk, you know, ah. that was kind of a, a twist on that, you know, would have taken but the guy from, uh, from Bob, the, uh, the, the, the Mr. Show with Bob and David, like, you know, but like that was, it worked because again, we have, we have a history with Odenkirk, but also like we know, like people love him in general, but it's like, no, but now here's a twist on like the guy you don't expect to see coming, the comedy guy or the kind of more somber TV drama guy doing this hardcore action and that that hit off too the people like oh they bought him because they loved him it wasn't just like you know some dude you know could have been some like random tv actor who was in comedy doing stuff like you had to we had to have that ingrained love going in to give him the benefit of the doubt or the freedom to like let me see him do this new thing and then of course same thing thanks to 8711 Daniel Bernhardt he commits fully all the way did the training did the work and it comes off on screen like that movie too. So yeah, there's something to be said for like uh, these legacy of knockoffs or the or these um replications of the dominant formula. You can't you can't like it doesn't come out of nowhere. You gotta have that from more, but it could come from anywhere. Even more recently, uh, Alice and Jamie of all people. Again, Bernhardt in Seven Eleven, but the Lou, she earned that shit too. You know, it, it, again, didn't hit off, but like that was like impressive. Like, oh shit, it, it, it doesn't have to come. It, it has to come from a certain persona. But that persona could be from anywhere if they commit to it, and that's that's like I think that's to be the key point 
way forward. Like you got, we have Chet Husky and Leach and 8711, this dojo from way back in the 80s and 90s, you know, from born from Bloodsport 2, we have this now dominion of fucking high level action. You know, the same thing. They earned that shit. They was doing the paces. They were, he, he was the crow. He was the Neo. They, they earned that shit. And now they, that's the key. Like, you know, if you want to get that shit, you got to go to, you got to go to the dojo too, baby. You got to start with the white belt and get it. There's, there's no fast track to this shit. Christian. Yeah, I was, I was going to build on your point. I think, well, I hope the legacy is that that actors committing to the action, to the, because I'm looking back at the way action has evolved, you have these sea changes, for example, born with the quick touch and non-action actors getting in action roles. So I hope that with 87 11 and John Wick bringing it to the forefront, uh, we'll see, like, for example, like you said, with uh, Bob Odenkirk committing to it and really uh, telling that character and bringing his own uh, art history with him into that character. I hope, I hope that it's the legacy that of John Wick and actors really committing to several roles and uh the other thing i was thinking of uh you brought it up mike of uh, how in the first movie they really committed to the drama to, to give us these stakes with john wick and as the series progressed that kind of series got away from that like the first movie gave us a gave us a half hour of building up john's character and and kind of really acting to have it the grief of his wife and by the time we got uh the three and four that was almost in the background so I'm after the other lesson that movies take from this series of you gotta have the action and the drama. You can't just have you can't just have one. You can't just have the action. Yeah, could you imagine this movie without chapters one and two to to to, to lay the foundation? If if this was, I mean, and that would never happen. You'd obviously do, but if this was just if it, you just had a movie that was this wall to wall action come out. I think people would be like. It's it's it is. I think it's reasonable to say it's too much. It's not that it's not that you're not appreciating it. But, you know, one of my go to things is always I always I still stand by every fight. Every action scene should tell a story Mm -hmm. and should have a beginning, a middle and an end and a narrative. And there's a lot of fights in this that do and a lot of fights in chapter three that do and a lot of fights and action scenes that don't that Mm -hmm. just seem to go on interminably and uh and so you know i think that's what makes that's what makes one so impactful uh for me and that's the thing i'll I'll say i think if i have one big sort of criticism of where the series has gone it's that they've gone towards shea hatton and away from Derek kolstad because the things for me that i really like about john wick came from Derek, uh came from those first two movies um but so again, I think you're right, Christian, in that the, the legacy needs to be you've got to lay the foundation. You can have Bad Boys 2. You can have John Wick Chapter 4. You can't have those if you don't have Bad Boys and John Wick Chapter 1. You've got to lay the foundation and take your time first. And that's why I think this series is so successful, because it did. It did everything. Whether I have minor quibbles about Chapter 3 and 4, then they are, again, minor Liam, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, they did this about as well as any franchise could be built. I think I, I, I just really don't know that you could do it any better. And I hope, but again, it's Hollywood. It's a copycat 
it's a copycat business. They're going to see $75 million opening for chapter four, and they're going to want to try and jump to chapter four Mm -hmm. without killing the dog for lack of a better. (laughs) And you got to kill the dog. That's just the reality you've got to do. (laughs) Oh, that's the name of the the episode. You got to kill the dog. (laughs) Fuck them dogs, man. (laughs) Well, I think that's why Donnie's character works so well in four. Because like we've said before, uh, we I know I've called the series Harold Bloodshed, and you know people compared it to Wu, but in this one with Donnie Chan, who finally became like a true Harold Bloodshed movie, going back to Chang Shay's the uh, the duel with uh, David Chang, you know, Tequila and Allen and Hardball working together finally in the hospital, uh, or the, the killer, the killer at the church finale fighting back to back, and when they finally come together and on the stairs, it's like oh, this is finally the, the Harold Bloodshed movie that uh, Chad had been wanting to make this whole time and dig it into the honor and uh, the brotherhood and uh, the warrior uh, bond. It finally found that, uh, that, that connection. I think that had not really been there since the first one or, or like since the second, second half of two, I, I felt this one really captures combined the drama and action finally almost on that level with their, their dynamic and making it like a true hero of let's say we finally. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, I, I'm obviously higher on three than most people, but I think whatever you think of that, like it, it, it allowed four to be a, what it is, you know, like I, I think, I think it, because it stretched it out and brought it into this more cartoony space, which I like, I, 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 I get, I get attracted to like the sugar rush and the, uh, and, and, and the colors and, and, the, and the set builds and like, you know, like the fact that he doesn't kill Yaya and, and, and Sesep in, in that fight, because like they're, they're, in logic, he should. These guys are assassins that are trying to kill him. But like it was just I, and apparently it was sort of a thing that Keanu insisted. He was like, no, 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 I can't kill them. And so like <laughs> like they, he loved them too much. And they, they, there was too much kind of respect there that it was like didn't. And I was like, it, it's such a smart thing that they didn't because I felt in that scene obviously i'm very attached to yayan but like seeing him kill yaya would be like seeing him like like john wick kill a dog it's like what are you doing you're like this isn't who you are so it, it, it's funny that they can kind of like like they feel where he can and can't go in the transgressions that he couldn't make um and so that one obviously being that one really does move the the franchise into this video game boss level like he literally has the end fights and these end boss fights and then uh, you know, four blows that out of the water and just goes, you know, hog wild with the, that that aesthetic. So it's like, even if you that that's actually why I came out of it, and I was just like, I don't want to argue which one's better anymore because then I have to say which one I like. I have to talk bad about one of these movies that I love. So I'm not saying that anymore. I'm just saying I think this is like one of the greatest progressions from one movie to next and to build to upping the ante and and kind of delivering in ways that are slightly unexpected, but at the same time, um, obviously pleasing their audience and yeah. growing a bigger and bigger worldwide audience. Satisfying is definitely the word I would use. I mean, no matter what you think of the John Wick movies, I think they're incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I am interested. I did not rewatch them. I kind of wanted to go into four cold. Um, 
I'm thinking three is going to play better for me on a rewatch than it did when I saw it in the theater, because this is a bit of hyperbole, but I'm just going to use it to as, as the example. I think three barely works as a narrative. It barely works as a movie because it doesn't have a beginning, middle and end. It just starts and ends without any, you know, it's clearly a linkage part. But like you said, Liam, I think as the transition point from the still somewhat mostly grounded chapter two into the bug nuts video game fantasy land of chapter four. I think it probably is going to play a lot better for me in that regard. As I, if I watch them, you know, in a row uh, knowing now, because I, I just kind of remember sitting in the theater in chapter three and enjoying the action, loving the Halle Berry scene, loving the last fights, but just kind of being like, okay, but I don't, there's not really much here like narratively for me to like lock on to. And I, I thought at the end of three that he should have died. I was kind of like, I was like, you know, there was such an exhaustion uh, that set in that I was like, oh, he's dead. And, and Bernhardt told me that that fall off of the Continental is an actual practical stunt fall. And it looks CG, but he's like, yeah, it's something weird about like the way that it looked, but that was a practical fall. And I was like, you know, it, it, it's him and him and Fishburne at the end. And I was kind of like, oh, I mean, that could have been the end, but I, I'm glad it wasn't. You know? <laughs> I think three will play a lot better now because four is so interested in consequences and three never like no consequences. It was just go, go, go. Literally, I'm going to kill them all like in the end of two. And four was like, no, there are consequences to what you're doing. And I think that's why four works so well dramatically for me too. It's, it took those last three movies of just John just laying, laying waste to everyone. And, and, and here you see this, all the side characters confronted him with that in ways that didn't really happen in three. And I think that'll it makes three work better retrospective. The the consequences come to roost now in four. And and you feel that right from the beginning, because I don't forget to talk about the ending we have the with the duel. I know one of the first lines in four is the elder telling him the only way you'll be free or peace is in death. But like right from the right from the beginning, John said I know. Like right at the beginning he sets like the thesis for the whole for all of four. And in the, every main sequence is tied into that of him seeing the consequences piling up until the only way he can escape is, as we, as we know. And, and so to get into the spoiler territory, you know, like the, like you said, it sets it up. And also when you go to the sunset, it's like the first image, it's four horsemen coming towards you. So it's like oh. the, the end is coming. You know, like that. I was like, as, as soon as I saw the four horsemen, I was like, ah, oh, you know, chapter four, four horsemen, like. Uh, I still kind of was like, eh, is he dead? I don't know. <laughs> there was something like, I don't know. Winston kind of had a little little uh, twinkle in his eye. I, I, we'll see. Well, we're going to see him again in Ballerina. So I think that, that must have to be a prequel, I, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I, before we, well, I, yeah, I just say about the ending. Yeah, I did, I did, even though it's pretty definitive, there's still like, what if a little bit of hope? I don't know, but if, if nothing else, even more so than Ballerina, I'm, I want to see if they bring back uh, Shamir and Rina, like those mm -hmm. this, those two alone, they bring back Common. They've laid the groundwork for they laid the groundwork for having these um ancillary characters so well that any of them that survived that can come back and like honestly start their own fucking movie, like that. It just that, that's how that's how from a, from a legacy. That's how great. The series mm -hmm. has been with the whole Give Donnie thing. and his Zatuichi Kane series. Yeah, it's yeah, Donnie. Too. It's Donnie for me. Donnie yeah. is like, where? Where's my spinoff? That's yeah. the one that I was like, yeah, like there's a whole fucking history. You talk about 
talk about you know what we said about a love and a history of everyone for the character uh and like you could do the flashback with him with his eyes so he could look hot for me and uh and then you get it you get everything yeah. <laughs> uh, well mike i, I don't, I don't we wanna, we set time off this but i don't want to go too long but do we want to just kind of cover the, like the whole series in general now or because uh sure go go for it vice yeah well, just, my main thing was uh, so I rewatched the first one, of course, and, and the second as well. And I got, like I said, th- those two kind of, those were kind of the pinnacle of the thing I was, thing I was needing the the the, the nastiness of it all, the hardness of it all. Um, but also just uh, I was surprised or upon rushing the original Don Wick, um, it's not stuff I've forgotten, and that's about the, the tangible world. Like uh, yeah, yeah, yes, the, the nine to five aspect of it. Like I, for one scene, I forgot that um, Clark Peters. Uh, the great actor, and he's been in the wire. It wasn't as just uh, another uh, uh, hey John, hey Harry. Like just clocking in that work, you know. Like he's just another another assassin there on the job. But like um, it, that that again, this this real tangible world um, really really makes it all work. It really, really makes it stand out. Um, uh, uh, well, or I guess you could say you need that tangible world to then have him doing his like crazy gunjutsu seem much more. Oh, we're in the real world now, but also this guy in our real world. This is this high level, you know, like this high level assassin. Like he really is like a assassin. You feel it. And then you know, of course, the bathhouse shootout, um, the 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 the, uh, the the hit on the house where the sun is, all that, you know, like the melding those that harsh reality. But then you have this extra layer of this um high level technical stuff on top of it. But yeah, it also it was funny because like you know, to talk about the consequences of the movies. Like I was funny like uh in the first movie uh. Miss Perkins, Adrian Pelecki, like, uh, she's like, fuck the rules, fuck the code. Like, whoa, like, after all, like, in the whole series, there's like the whole grand, you know, the high table, you cannot escape. Uh, it's a sacrosanct, sacrosanct rules that separate the door. She's like, fuck it, I'll do it for two million. I'll, you do, like, she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, like I was, it was just like, kind of refreshing to remember that, this, yes, these are like, this is like this church of death and has ancient history, but also, you still like, you still kill people for money. It's still dogs in the street, like you know, like she's like she's one of them. She's like, nah, fuck all that, fuck all that church bullshit. Give me pay, fuck you, pay me. Well, <laughs> show me the money. Like I, I, I love that to be reminded of that. Like you know, it's still a world of like people, uh, hired goons. This is some, some of them are like better than others, but it's still like goons all the same. And I, you know, speaking of hired goons, like you know, the other 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 details, like uh, the cleaning crew, the the great uh, David Patrick Kelly. You know, I mentioned the uh, Warriors shout out in the part mm-hmm. four. That was it from the beginning. You know, he was one of the the, the main bad guy from the Warriors. He's there as the, as the cleaning crew boss. You see his great collection of hired goons. He had to clean up the mess of that John makes of all the dead bodies. Yeah, again, all these little like nine to five, um, secret cabal, but also like you know, cabal of like he's he calling the phone. He's a cleaning crew. You know, here's he, he, your service. Yeah, I just really love that um those real world touches to this deadly league of assassins that the first one establishes. And I've forgotten so many of that, those good parts. Yeah, I mean, real quick, just to jump in, Vice, on part one, I mean, and I think Christian wrote this on Twitter, too. It, it is really remarkable when you go back and watch it that there's no action for the first 30 minutes. It's yeah. like, uh, and I wonder if that's the way it would be if it was made today with the streaming audience, because the, <laughs> no the notes you get are like, you got to have something in the first two minutes be, to hook hook the audience in to know what they're watching. Um, and so it, it is it is a, a really refreshing when you go back and watch that this movie really takes its time and, and, and lays its tracks and as Mike said, you got to kill the dog and you got to punch Alfie in the face a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it is. even then, like I said, you know, in the beginning of the old cast, Willem Dafoe, the master, because the young wow. guys, they, they lay in the groundwork, but they want to, yes, it's a D, almost DTV movie. They still have the 
commitment to bring high level actors to it. But also, you know, have fun with it too. You know, like John Leguizamo, you know, as, mm. as, as really the, the again one of that real world, real New York part. Because it is again, this is in New York, but well, the first two and a mm. half parts of this franchise are in New York. Like it's 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 a fabric of the movies, much as the, the Constantine or, or, or the, all the other hitmen are. It's, it's it's part. It's a New York movie. It's really really like that too. Well, that's really been the secret weapon of the whole series is that supporting cast and getting those character character actors in there. You know, especially mm-hmm. with one, that was like one is so efficient, and then having all these other supporting characters of the foe and like down all around Jan, just like building up this world, and then all the other sequels added to that. For example, two has the sommelier, and like in this over like two minutes, it's like he he sells it completely, the line delivery and everything. And does they've been doing that each movie is having these side characters make the world feel alive, <laughs> even though even though, even though it's mostly just killing. Like we feel the every everyone having a dynamic history, and the first one set that up perfectly, established yeah. that. Vice, when you watched it again, now having uh, done a Zoom with Bernhardt, was there like a little bit more fun? Like, because he does a little bit like what Mike was saying when Scott gets shot in the ass and he does his like mug face. There's there's a couple <laughs> faces with with Bernhardt that I just love. Where he'll be like. Oh. <laughs> like he, like when he's getting choked, like he he kind of does these like these, these things that you're like, oh, that's the Bernhardt selling it, selling the fight like yeah. so well. well. He, he, yeah, he, he also reminded me of like a Daniel Bernhardt's look. You know, he's a legit actor. Also, again, mm-hmm. like like Chad was saying, if you give you guys the right role, the right they will shine. Like when the part where he's talking to the to the, uh, the the son, he's like. I'm not your fucking babysitter. I'm here to go. Like, oh, that's scary as fuck. And, and, and Alfie's like, I want another bottle. Somebody give me another bottle right fucking now. You know, so they say, talking to Bernhardt, he's, he's a nice, cordial man, but I wouldn't want to see him in the street, man. Shit. No, he's that's got scary as fuck. He's got yeah. darkness. Okay. He's got darkness gotta, in his eyes. He's got shark eyes if you fuck with him. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, even since the first one, giving Dan to Bernhardt that role to really make his own and be the guy that gets the kick with jazz but like three times in that movie even from the beginning these, these movies have been giving these actors a spotlight and then like you have with two really hooking up common and ruby rose and three and four basically becoming a whole old whole genre getting these action icons and legends together on screen basically being, being our avengers or the dtv expendables pretty much <laughs> it's, it's, it's been that legacy has been great too I know you see the premiere like Mark, Mark and and Donnie like you know giving each other props and taking photos together. It was just mm-hmm. like uh, and, and and Bernhardt with Atkins. It was like it it uh, it makes your heart swell just kind of seeing oh, yeah. everybody get their due. Yeah, seeing Atkins on what morning TV and that, that, yeah. that clip that was going around is insane. I, I love it. They're doing the on uh, live choreo with the host. It, it was it was amazing, beautiful. Atkins and Tamron Hall. He's, he's he's getting her to swivel the hips around. It was amazing. I mean, Mike, what was what was this week like for you as the as the preeminent Atkins fan uh, on on Twitter? I just kind of I actually just kind of laid back this week. I didn't uh, because um, you know I was I've been texting Scott off and on all week, but I just kind of laid back because it was fun to just watch everybody else. You know, I, I've been championing the guy for so long um, and trying to you know elevate him so long for so long that uh i was like oh i can actually take this week off like i, <laughs> I don't the rest, need- the rest of the media can do it for me yeah yeah i can actually take this week off i don't i don't need to i don't need to to do all of this this week so um yeah so you know when 
whatever next one, when one more shot comes out and five people see it, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be back on the clock. <laughs> I, I was thinking you're like uh, Vince Vaughn at the end of swingers. You're like, he grows up and he grows up and he grows up and you're just, you're, you're running around the apartment, the house. Uh, yeah. Well, here, I, I guess I'm kind of, we already talked back and forth. There, but I'll just mention stuff, stuff about John Wick 2 that I like. And I know Liam, you said you can't, it's hard for you to, can't really rank them, but I, I can't, fuck it. Uh, you know, for me, two is, if I had a list, it's two, the first one, four, then three. But, you know, it's the difference in the minor degrees rather than, you know, like a, not, 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 not a huge difference in, in quality here. It's all fucking great. But no, like, I think two is the perfect mix of um, still having that real world nastiness, but then them actually uh, uh, seamlessly bring him into the, the fantasy of the high table and all, all the weird like international assassin shit you know like because because again now we're watching two uh, once again like the first 20 minutes there's it's it's still the direct like it's the direct cause the direct uh aftermath of part one he's going to get his car going to meet the the guy's brother the great peter, peter stormer again great character actors peter stormer is there as the russian boss um and anyway they, they just reload back you know the guzamo and he's just kind of like the the come down of one a full 20 minutes just just that before we get into the actual, oh, now here comes the the mystical high table shit going on. So they really take the time to, again, take the foundation. They've settled one, but now it's time for this to take off again. They do it really well. And then, like I said, with both. Oh, yeah, and then this, um, again, also like the uh, transition from being a New York movie to an international movie. Because it, it's it, it's, it's next to, uh, he goes to this like a Hasidic Russian like bank when they have his old gear. It's a very, you know, very clean New York scene. But then now, then next scene, he's in Rome or whatever. Like it's just perfect. It's like this, like this. This is the the, the jet set life of an assassin. One mm -hmm. one one minute you're in the streets here in downtown of Broadway. Next you're fucking back in Rome or whatever. They just do it so that's, well. Yeah. That's what I love about too. Is that first like half or not even half before he gets to the the catacombs. It's just John Wick in his prime, going to different to different like like the hitman game. Going, getting the plane, prep for the mission, setting all the weapons up. I think that that bridges the gap between one like grounded, gritty New York revenge, and then the two international hitman movie that 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 slowly ease in from him going back home to meeting everyone and getting his gear together. This is the, the perfect uh, build up to what the series becomes, basically. Well, that's actually one thing that this conversation's kind of helped me with a little bit in terms of four, because as I was watching four, that's all the stuff I was missing. I was missing the cleaning crew. I was missing the sommelier. I was missing all these little touches because four doesn't really have any of that. Unless I missed it, nobody even says, be seeing you, John, you know, which is kind of like the series tagline, like, um, and, uh, but I'm kind of now listening to you guys. I'm sort of realizing, well, it does sort of make sense in the regards of this is an epic. This is an apocalyptic epic, essentially. This is if you think of something like Lord of the Rings, right, where you start with there's a lot of cool character stuff in Fellowship of the Ring. And yes, I am comparing John Wick to Lord of the Rings. A lot of cool character stuff that by the time you get to Return of the King, you're kind of like, well, I, I, I sort of miss that. But that's because it's gone into a full-blown war epic. And that's really what I'm realizing chapter four is now talking to you guys. It's a war epic. It, it, that's why none of this stuff exists. We've gone into a full-blown war here. And so the stuff that doesn't work for me, like them having a full shootout at the Arc de Triomphe, because I loved how in the first one, everything was under the surface. 
And and one of the things that sort of bugged me, you know, Vice, you mentioned it, how like it's such a big deal that Perkins breaks the rules uh, to try and kill John on the Continental. And here you've got the high table just wiping out two Continentals. There's but then it also makes sense now that they have they have gone. All the rules have been suspended. All the rules are, are over. We're in war. There's, you know, and, and so I think that, you know, this is one of those movies, again, I did give it four stars, but I think I'll like it more on rewatch as a part of the whole uh, of the series and, and kind of watching that. So thanks for this, guys. I, I do appreciate <laughs> I, I think it was about me talking about fucking all night long. And you're like, I, I do like fucking all night long. That makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I really um, I just started watching one just, yesterday. Can I just say really quick? I'm a 46 year old. <laughs> smoker it's cute that you think i've ever fucked all night long <laughs> i'm trying to build you up you don't have to you don't have to take take the self-effacement um uh yeah the the, the listeners don't know they think they think we're gods um <laughs> so so yeah i just rewatched one i haven't seen two in a while and i haven't seen three in a while so i'm i'm gonna I, i'm just uh john wick is on the brain so i'm gonna i'm gonna catch up with them uh, as well but yeah going from four and then back to one is definitely a journey I, I i so i get it i get the the growing pains but i also get being uh doing i mean it, it there's a there's an interesting i mean i i thought it was a kind of a, a dick tweet about kind of contrasting chad and, and david leach's career and and kind of shitting on david leach uh overly uh, way way over the top um you know like they both they both uh, apparently to this like they both obviously have their excesses and they like longer run times uh and certain people like uh you know one more than others but the very interesting thing from like the inside baseball hollywood thing is that like the advice i'm sure chad has gotten so much advice to not do another john wick movie and i'm sure he did you know at at the end of three like okay man you got to do something else and he, and he still is is doing those now. I know the money that they offered him probably made that decision, uh, uh, you know, very interesting. And and he obviously loves making these movies, and he's found the ideal creative partner in Keanu. So I, you know, I I don't I don't see why he should ever stop uh, myself. But it it is it is that that thing where they you know I I've had that oh don't make another one of these skyline movies, don't do another one of those. You got to do something else, and it puts this undue pressure on yourself. Um, so then you see like, like David Leach has kind of done exactly what the Hollywood insider would tell you to do. He's gone and done like a bunch of, a little bit of everything. And he's worked with pretty much all of the top talent in town, uh, in, in action and otherwise in the past 10 years since the first John Wick. Um, so it is just interesting to see that, like those two different approaches and that Chad has kind of like been, he, he stayed within this one franchise, but and that's kind of why I, I was explaining. I think when we we're fighting about the runtime, then I'm like, it makes sense to me that he's not just going to keep making John Wick one over and over again. He's only done these one movies for ten years. Like each one's got to scratch a different itch. So, yeah, I, I look. Lord knows, I I'm I don't love all of Leach's movies, but I I thought that tweet to act like David Leach is somehow the death of cinema as we know it. it <laughs> To me, one of those things, it's like, watch more fucking movies if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And it's twi- it's Twitter brain. It's not true. Like, like Bullet Train is a 7.3 on fucking IMDb. I, I always try to tell people, but people love that fucking movie. Well, and like, 
I don't I don't know when we all of a sudden decided we didn't like Deadpool 2 because that movie was a massive hit and it got great reviews when it came out. Like, I don't know when everybody decided they don't fucking like Deadpool 2, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think Leech still has. I think for me, Leech's runtimes are even worse than Stahelski's because I don't I, I whether I like the runtime of John Wick for it earns that runtime. It it, it 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 earns it. Bullet Train does not earn its runtime. But uh, but I still, yeah, just come on, guys, like see more movies or get off Twitter. Like, like don't act like. Yeah, and people, yeah, people love like uh, even even though I didn't like, you know, Hobbs and Shaw or whatever, I did, or didn't wasn't a big fan of, you know, the Bullet Train. Like people, he's giving he's delivering the goods to the people that then they they're making they had the box office. Well, I mean, Hobbs and Shaw maybe wasn't didn't make expectations, but like it's delivering the, the, the grand scale in his own way. People want like like even in that in his own right. He's still adding to the, the pantheon of great action because even even if there's some like, good yeah. fights in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. There's some uh, really yeah. good fights in that movie. I mean, yeah. it's fucking it's it's real deal and it's fucking Bernhardt fighting Statham in that apartment fight. Like those those guys know what they're doing. There's some yeah, good yeah. shit in that. And it's Atomic, Atomic Blonde with the stairs. Like that's like one of the great action movies of the last decade. Like you cannot you cannot not you can't discount that. And even again, he, he does his his own tweak on the uh, new and old. Like you know, recently yeah. you have Brad Pitt, and then you have like a the, the newer guy, the Aaron uh, Kickass. You know, <laughs> like they, they work well together. And even uh, uh, in Deadpool too, you have Roland and Zazzy Beats having a good fight. You know, again, mm-hmm. old school guy and a new new up and comer. Like he has the same kind of spirit as well too, but it's just like a more kind of, I guess, populist is the word. I don't know. But yeah, he's doing the same in the same spirit. Like again, they're from the same dojo. It's the same. This is the same martial spirit. Like doing it just different ways. Different, different styles. It's great. Like Ryu and Ken or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Back to the video game analogy. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. They are Ryu and Ken. And, and then uh, Aaron, you mentioned Aaron earlier. He did a little YouTube clip of the two of them sparring with each other. And it looked like Ryu and Ken from back in the day. <laughs> well, yeah, man. The, the dojo of Ace man. It's dominating. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say that Hobbs and Shaw is also a whole lot better now that fucking F9 is out. Uh, you know, we, we, can actually, <laughs> we can actually see the worst of what Fast and Furious can be. Hobbs and Shaw doesn't seem so bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, we are going on two hours. I think it's probably time to start wrapping it up. So, Christian, any any thank you for joining us, first of all. Um, we'll give you a chance to plug some stuff. But any final thoughts on John Wick? Anything you want to kind of sum up your thoughts and feelings on it uh i think the biggest takeaway was that we finally got to see a hundred million dollar harold bloodshed movie that had harold gets not a fighty mark zero there's uh, nothing i wanted to see it was, it was, it was amazing <laughs> I, I, I just had such a blast scene they, like you said old guard and new guard cut together and it's this canvas of uh of neon and uh and, and acting i loved it <laughs> it was, it was Everything I wanted this movie to be after what waiting what, it was two three years since the last one, and they they delivered. Liam, your final thoughts. Masterpiece. Go see it. Go enjoy it. Uh, I'm gonna go again. Um, it really feels like a moment, and uh, it was fantastic to see kind of action Twitter and everyone, you know, kind of kind of uh, like taking a step back and be like, look at us. Look at us. <laughs> I was like the Paul Rudd meme. Like, wow, uh, how, how did we get here? Um, but uh, like I said, um, you know, Chad 
is he's it's been been a favorite director from the get, but it's um he's kind of like he's he he's definitely a north star and um and and yeah I it's just just what a time what a time to be alive I'm I'm excited for it I'm excited for um for Scott and for uh you know one of my friends Cha from Real Deal who doubled Donnie in this movie hopefully we get to talk to him about this at some point but everybody involved with that like uh you know congratulations what an accomplishment i swore liam do you know i swore i saw john on the stair fight scene too but i it may not have been um do you know if he worked on it too no, i mean he's he got like he's the guy who gets pulled by the horse and three um but oh, he might have been in might have been on the stairs too yeah. I swear I saw him on the stairs, but I could be wrong. But uh, him him and Anise are together, which is funny because Anise is in Beyond Skyline and Cha is a you know second unit of and uh, and I was in prep for Skylines and watching it next to Jean and they pull up and they're like at the stables. And it was just like, dude, you're 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 fighting Keanu and you're sitting right next to me. I like, yeah, it's such a like fanboying out. And then he's the one who gets pulled by the horse. I was like, oh, it's so fucking awesome. That's again why. Uh, my experience with three is, is, is like, oh, I was on cloud nine and then like saw Yaya on a week later. And I was like, so, um, yeah, I, I just, congratulations to everybody involved in these movies. It's really something, it's really something to be proud of. That, that, that is definitely true. Um, all of some of, some of people in this are our friends. Some are people we hope to get to know. Some are people we hope Liam gets to work with and everybody who's in this should be very proud. Uh, vice your final thoughts. I can finally stop stalling and not buying the uh, genre collections at Best Buy. Now I can wait till part four comes out and buy the whole fucking series again. I said like like last time I did uh, Mad Max, I bought two versions, black and white and whatever one. Then the other one came out after that. I'm like fuck, man, waste my money. No, no, I can buy, finally buy the John Wick, uh, <laughs> the John Wick over the the series in full and enjoy it as a one whole thing. Um, but yeah, no, just, yeah, just remember this is a fucking celebration and it's March. Like we have one of the best sex movies of like of all time or the best series of all time. It's late March. We got Mission Impossible coming out. We got some other shit coming out. Like even this weekend, we haven't got to talk about it. But maybe next weekend or next weekend, we'll, uh, the uh, Ronica no uh, Furies, the prequel to Fury. Uh, hmm. Like there's some word of fucking next, amazing next time. Next month you got Gerard, Professor the Condor. He's getting his his next movie coming out. Like yeah, come on, April. Yeah. Yeah, like this is fucking amazing. Like we haven't even begun. It's already like a high. The, we're in a high note now, you know. It, it even yeah. yeah, yes, my beloved plane and making you know all, all this bullshit up. Uh, Wandering Earth two again, the Chinese blockbuster. Some good shit out there for all around us. Yep, and, and Patan just Patan just premiered on Amazon Prime as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, just like you know, people like, after the kind of the one two hit of well three three hit combo of R R Maverick. And then Avatar, like you know, people are like you know, movies back, like yeah, man, movies are here, man, we're alive, baby. I mean, that's the big what if of this, though. This movie was supposed to come out last year, in March, and so I, I, I can't help but like think what would that have been like. I mean, I think it's, I think it's right, obviously, from this global reception and the money that they waited, but like. Well, like 2022 would have been a year of fucking John Wick 4, <laughs> Maverick, uh, fucking RRR, and Avatar Way of Water. It would have just been like uh, too much. Um, but again, I, I like too much of a good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good time. But no, yeah, just really excited about the, the, the state of action cinema. And like, again, like this is quite literally the highest it's ever been on a technical standpoint. 
and in the world recognizes it, you know, so like we're, we're in a great place, I think. So I'm just you know, excited for what comes next. And, uh, you know, and then, like, like I said, she's going to appreciate uh, appreciate the laurels of those who have come this far and, and given us this great, this great stuff. So this is a great celebration. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Christian, where can uh, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter on, under Jen, John Romatic. I'm on Letterboxd under uh, More Badass. I do have reviews for a small site called uh, Spectrum Culture. And I'll just tell you guys this now. And next week, I'll have a piece coming up on Polygon uh, about the John Wick series. Basically, nice. kind of talking about what we did in this, in this uh, podcast about how the series signed a light on a guys like uh, DeCostos and Gerard and and I brought them back into the mainstream uh, prominence. So yeah, so excited for that. And so, but uh, yeah, I mostly stick to, tw- you can definitely find me on Twitter, a letterbox, my main places. Oh, and sorry, I, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to, I, I know we, we, get a chance, we didn't get a chance to do like a proper intros because we went straight into Dominic and this was so about, but you know, I just want to kind of, we definitely want to have you back on at, at, at some point as soon as we can. Christian, mm-hmm. I just want to, this people who, who are listening, I, I'm sure that you're, most people listening are familiar with your presence on Twitter and your writing as well. But like these people, like again, like the reason why I call you one of the three wise men, like what Alex is doing, like what Frankie's been doing, like you know, you guys are legitimate film historians. And like I, I remember um one time uh, one of our friends that we had a, we had here um he had put out a tweet like you know what's the great hardcore action movie like the raid or whatever that people might not know of. You got I, I said hey hit him up man and like you're one of the people who had like these great recognitions from around the world mm-hmm. like real international cinema knowledge that it's really hard to come by. And I just want to, on record, appreciate and thank you for, you know, showing up so many cool things from around the world that, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no expert, but I have some knowledge of kind of internet cinema, but like, you, you should, you got shit that I've never heard of. And it's fucking amazing. You know, I, just, I don't, I want to impress upon the audience how much of a resource and a value you bring to the cinema world. And, you know, action Twitter in general, but like cinema in the large, because again, just like what, what fucking Frankie and, and Alex are doing, you are doing legitimate historical work that a lot of these fucking journalists are not. Like this is like this is like the real deal shit that we need to be appreciating more and more. So that's what, yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you, thank you very much. That means a lot to me. Like I'm just a guy. I love movies. Like like you know, as you always say, you're just a guy who who loves his genre, and that's just like that's what I love doing. Shining light on stuff that you might not know about, or just celebrating that uh the action of storytelling and action as a uh, art and you know, other genres too, horror and stuff. Yeah, I just love showing people things they haven't seen before. I guess I was when I was writing about indie games and same thing with the movies. What did Frankie Shogun Supreme say? He was like, Christian, man, he writes shit like I have to I have to look up a thesaurus. And I, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, between you and Brandon, I've like given up on trying to sound eloquent on Twitter. I'm like, those guys have it handled. I'll just be like, those fucking <laughs> rules, five stars. Like that, that's I I, I feel like I, I've just given up on 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 on, on you your your guys' tweets uh, always always kind of like damn. That you you really you really get to the heart of things and um and it's de- it's you. definitely been a um uh yeah an education for me as well to follow you because I I have no idea how you are able to watch the amount of films that you are able to watch but work I'm in awe of it work from home <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can't I, I can I can't retain things when I I multitask I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, unfortunately a beta version from an earlier decade and I'm not like my children who can do five things at once so uh, I'm always in awe of it and I'm like wow this guy it, it's not just that he's He's watching them. He's also, you know, analyzing them and, and taking them in and, and, and giving me new insights each time. So, again, if you're not following uh, Christian, you're fucking up. 
Um, and also shout out to Pete Volk from uh, Polygon for for bringing all of us action Twitter folk in and and giving us jobs to to write stuff because I'm assuming Pete <laughs> brought you into Polygon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love you, Pete. Um, I- hey, Pete. Pete just listed uh, again. He always lists uh, my movies on the five movies on Netflix that you need to watch now. So he, he just gave me another uh, a shout out for Beyond Skyline. I was always always appreciate Pete. Thank you. Love you, Pete. Um, all right, Liam, where can people find you? Uh, Liam Oden on Twitter and Instagram, being uh, stupid and, and uh, trying to learn from smart people. And Vice, where can people find you? All right, I'm going to be on uh, Letterboxd, being smart, because uh, I'll have my uh, my review in full of John Wick 4 on there. How many stars? You got to wait and see. Yeah, and, don't, and, don't, and don't fucking come at me on Twitter or Letterboxd. Oh, this bullshit. You don't know me, man. You don't know who the fuck I am. Get out of my fucking face. I give it what I want to give. I'm an action master too. I'll be sure for real. Fuck all that bulletproof armor Kevlar bullshit. Nah, nah, nah. You want Kevlar? I got, I got Kevlar too. Look, you got it? I got oh. Kevlar too, baby. <laughs> Fuck with me. Anyway, that's Letterboxd. Or Instagram. At Vice Victus. Being hot. Like I just said, celebrated my wife's 40th birthday. We went out, had a good time. Had the, had the sexy time with the, the full uh, luxurious meal. Even though I'm fucking small ass <laughs> scallops. Whatever though. It's all good. It's all good. It was for the ride. So you see her, you see me and my wife being super hot. Y'all can't fuck with me. Don't even try. I keep telling y'all, you can't fuck with me. And you keep trying to fuck with me. I have to do it. I don't know why. You don't listen to the, to the God, but whatever. That, that's your problem, not my problem. You can't fuck. And as always, I'm on Twitter, at Vice Victus, talking the truth, the light, the power, and all the bullshit, all the shit, all the time, everywhere. Come at me. You can't. It's great. And you uh, can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hibachi Justice. You're listening to the show, so you know you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. You can find it on Linktree slash A4E Podcast, Twitter slash A4E Podcast. Uh, I am also today, uh, as you're listening to this, will also be dropping. You'll get a double dose of me. I'll be on Anthony King's Cult Movies Podcast talking about King Kong uh, later today, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, with that, boys, love you. Let's do it again next week. Love you guys. Peace. Thank you. Mm-hmm.